0: Bernie and sit in the morning. On the Red Apple Podcast Network.
1: Start spreading the news. I'm leaving today. I want to
2: be a part of it. New York, New York. Well, These vagabond shoes
3: it's Wednesday morning. It's Yom Kippur. And this is not Bernie. And this is not Sid. Oh, my God. Who is it? This is John Tedes And uh, I come to work when nobody else does.
4: <laughs> well, and what we treat. have
3: Congressman Peter King. And Deborah is uh, uh, on my right uh, helping out. And
5: uh, are you going to make us survive today? I absolutely will do my best. But you know what, John? I get the feeling that you really don't need any help. Well, I don't know.
3: Uh, uh, Peter, it's the first time me and you are doing it by ourselves. Congressman Peter King? Yeah,
1: John, it's great to be here, but I'm very serious. Deb is not allowed to leave this morning. I mean, we need her to keep us going. We,
3: we need somebody to keep us going. Well, I mean, There's nobody
1: better than Deb, but no matter what, at least we don't have crazy Sid in there. I'm, I'm glad it's Deb and not Sid. Well, here.
3: how about renaming the show for today, The King and I? I like that. Oh, I, like I love that. it. Yeah, yeah. There
1: you go. That goes good. Also, with Sid, let's, again, I you know, wish him the very best. Uh, we kid around a lot about Sid, but it, it's... What's the, the
3: right thing about Sid when... Uh, Survive the fast? There's, there's a word for it.
1: Uh, oh, oh, the day of atonement. He's atoning. And uh, I, I was saying, thank God he's moving near the ocean. Because he has a lot
3: to atone for.
1: He does. And apparently he was telling me that you know, uh, Jewish people, they often throw bread into the water as a way of atoning. Thank God he lives by the ocean. Because now we can throw loaves of bread into the ocean to atone for all of his sins. But, no, I mean, Sid takes so- something seriously, others not. But I know when it comes to Yom Kippur, it reminds me of his father, of his Jewish faith. So in all seriousness, we wish did the very best today and hope the fast doesn't kill him. And if he has a little time left over after he atones, to say a prayer for the rest of us.
3: We need a prayer. I tell you, the world is is a tough place to come. Now, uh,
5: Deborah, what time did you get here this morning, Deborah? I got here at 2 this morning. At my alarm My alarm goes off at 1230 in the morning, John. And, you know, I hit the snooze. I was going to sleep twice, but... about 1230. <laughs> no, I'm used to this schedule now. I always love the early mornings. Yeah. Love it. Love it. You and you know, Marano. Yeah. You know, my mother said to me once, you know, successful people get everything done by 10 o'clock in the morning. They do. They make lists, as you know, and they've got their day done by the time the rest of the world gets to work, and has her first cup of coffee. That's how successful people operate, right? They're ahead of everybody else.
3: Now, last night was a big baseball night. Now, Peter King, you are the number one baseball <laughs> fan I know. Yeah, and I am a big Mets fan, And I would say I
1: was so happy last night for Aaron Judge. I mean, this is history. I mean, in the history of the American League, going back well over, well over 100 years, no one has ever hit 62 home runs. And Aaron Judge did it, and he has class... He didn't use steroids. There was nothing hyped about this. He did it. And, uh, you know, I, I've never met Aaron Judge. i met a lot of ball players, but not Aaron Judge. But everyone I know that knows him is that he's a, just a class guy. Uh, his teammates love him and respect him. I mean, John, if I were hitting 62 home runs, I'd be impossible to live with. I'd be strutting around like Sid Rosenberg. But Aaron Judge, he acts like a regular guy, whether he's the 25th man on the team or the number one guy in all of baseball. He's just a regular guy. And... uh just the way he handles all this with such class and distinction. To me, it's great for baseball. Baseball needed this. And interesting, this year in New York, both the Mets and the Yankees have had phenomenal seasons. The Mets come in second, but they won 100 games. The Yankees win 100 games. Uh, Aaron Judge is going to lead the major leagues in home runs. Uh, uh, now, uh, Pete Alonso in the Mets is going to lead the major leagues, it looks like, and runs batted in. And Jeff McNeil in batting average. So you have these top players uh, in New York, and to me, uh, I, I've sort of soured on the NFL and the NBA, uh, but baseball to me is still, uh, you know, the national pastime. And uh, I think it's, it's great for New York. I mean, it's hard. If you saw, I heard uh, Rich Lowry, who was often on Sid uh, show, uh, 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 Bernie and Sid on Monday morning, he is such a fanatical baseball fan that when he's driving in his car, every time Aaron Judge got up, he had his phone out in the car to take a picture of the phone if that was the moment that Aaron Judge hit the home run. And when you saw all these people standing with phones, uh, not just in New York but in Texas, I mean, Texas went nowhere this year in baseball. It went absolutely they had a terrible record, and yet they had a sellout crowd last night just to see whether Aaron Judge could uh, make home run history. And uh, on a commercial note, apparently. Uh, the guy who caught the ball has already been offered $2 million?
5: That's right. This guy's name is Chris Yeomans, and he's actually a Dallas fan. And mm. sitting right near him was another guy who tried to catch the ball and actually fell out of the stands. Did you see that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, he's okay, but he got ejected from the stadium. So this fellow who caught the ball, Chris Yeomans, right. he's actually the vice president of Fisher Investments. Wow. So if he sells this ball... Obviously, you know, they followed him, you know, from the stadium last (laughs) night and they said, hey, what are you going to do with the ball? And he said, I haven't had time to think about it yet. And Aaron Judge said after the game, he said, very classy statement, as you know, you alluded to. He's a very classy individual. He said that fan has every right to keep that ball. Now, I do think that things may have been a little bit different had Judge hit number 62 here in new york city i think that the yankees organization would have had the security and their people all around this guy but uh, you know it remains to be seen i read this morning he's already been offered 2 million dollars for the ball it i'm sure will uh he'll receive many many more offers well beyond that maybe he'll keep it maybe he'll give it back to judge i'll have to wait and see what happens
1: yeah i mean this is uh, again it's a great moment for baseball and uh yeah, you know, you're often afraid that sometimes the guy who is in the spotlight, when you meet him, you find out he's a real jerk. But, like, I've had the opportunity to meet Pete Alonzo. I've been with him when the Mets visit uh, Walter Reed with the uh, uh, Wounded uh, Warriors. And Alonzo is great. Uh, Jeff McNeil is great. All these guys, they're really uh, – all the guys I've seen. But then you do hear the stories of the guys who get involved in these late-night fights or beating up their girlfriend or something. But so far, the ones in New York have been really solid people, which to me – means a lot. Uh, Also, if I could put in a plug, John, uh, a friend of mine, Dr. Rock Positano, you may know him. He's a leading.
3: I heard about him. Yes,
1: Dr. Positano. He was the uh, uh, foot doctor for Joe DiMaggio, for the New York Jets, uh, Henry Kissinger, Rudy Giuliani, Donald Trump, all these celebrities. I got to know him through my sister. Anyway, he has a book out this week called Street Smarts. And I have one of the chapters in there. It's about people who grew up. And, John, you would love this. People who grew up in basically ethnic blue-collar neighborhoods, uh, you know, weren't born with a million dollars or didn't have any, uh, uh, you know, big expense accounts when they were born, and yet went on to, you know, uh, make successes out of themselves. So, Great things, just yeah. like
5: John Katzmatidis. Well, that's what I'm saying. You that's started, what... right, sweeping floors. At a grocery store when you were young, after your parents was, immigrated from Greece,
3: I started working for a, a small grocery store while I was going to college because I, I needed at least ten dollars a week to put gas in the car. Okay, and I'm not going to ask my father right for the ten dollars.
5: Right? Didn't he work at Cipriani's? No, my
3: father know? worked at Longchamps. Okay, uh, Long it was Jack. on the corner. It was on the corner of. 42nd Street and Lexington Avenue, and uh, because he didn't speak English 100% right, he spoke fluent Italian, uh, he uh, uh, he was only a busboy. And busboys didn't make a lot of money those days. That,
1: that was down the block from when Cipriani right. That's where yeah.
3: I gave When we had yeah. the party for WABC, I said a few words. I said, I feel my father around me because... Uh, he, uh, worked at Longchamps on 42nd and Lex, and I used to go to the Horn and Hard Art. Wow. That was next door <laughs> to Auto where Man. Cipriani's is. Now, Cipriani's was the old Bowery Savings Bank. You know? Oh, I, wow. Th- I never knew I, that. Yeah, well, I go into Cipriani's, I look around, I think about Joe DiMaggio advertising Bowery Savings Bank. Right. <laughs>
5: So your story is very inspiring to people. Do do you ever sit back and think about that? So you started working at a grocery store. You needed 10 bucks for gas.
3: So I started working on weekends and I was very upset because the cashier was making a dollar an hour and uh, Tony, who was the boss, and my, my was only paying me like 90 cents an hour. Okay.
5: Did you imagine a cashier making $0.10 cents more than me? Well, oh, my goodness. And you ended up turning things around. So what happened? I mean, so you decided, did you find a partner and you decided to no. invest? I mean, what happened? So what the long, happened? I was so going to, was going
3: to NYU at the same time.
5: Okay. So and? I
3: worked going to NYU. I mean, uh, I, did, I, I did it all. Well, I mean, uh, the, the, the scary thing about it is mm-hmm. uh, Jan Mitchell, who owned like 30 Long Champs and about a bunch of Loot house. Who's very uh, successful uh, guy uh whose apartment am i living in for the last thirty three years
5: Whose?
3: Jan mitchells
5: no kidding what a, the, what a the twist
3: son the son of a bus boy okay Only in america land of opportunity the son of a bus boy gets to move into the his uh, his father's the uh uh, uh bus's apartment and uh, you know uh uh I do a lot of religious things around town, and uh, Rabbi Schneier is uh, one of my rabbis, because I love the guy. He's a wonderful man. And uh, I go to one of Rabbi Schneier's events, and who's there? Jan Mitchell's two sons.
6: <laughs> wow. And
3: they want to come and see the apartment, because that's where they grew up.
5: Did they end up coming? Yes. Oh, my God. You, you can't, can't make this up. You can't make it up. Wait I got one more thing. What? We're in the building. We're on, we're on the edge of our seats now, John.
3: We're we're in the building. Yes. And that, that President Nixon was rejected. Wow. President Nixon was rejected from moving in. And guess what? In that same building, the same apartment, uh, my daughter marries Christopher Nixon Cox, President Nixon's grandson. Right. Wow. And he moves it. <laughs> you can't make it up. So Nixon moved in anyway.
1: John, if I were a woke progressive, I would say that you were permanently scarred. The fact that you weren't born with a trust fund, the fact that you had to work, and this would have a terrible psychological impact on you, that we should give you special counseling. That's the nonsense you listen to today. And they they would actually rebuke saying that uh, hard work is not good for you. Somehow everything should be made easy. I
3: go from extreme to extreme. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, uh, when I came home, I went to Brooklyn Tech High School. And I love Brooklyn Tech. I mean, it was a great high school. It taught me a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this kid from Harlem. And yesterday, by the way, yesterday we had Hispanic Day. And, uh, uh, we had so many people, uh, in the studio celebrating Hispanic Heritage Day. And, uh, I met so many of my old friends. Uh, Joe Ithia was here, uh, uh, Eric Gonzalez, the DA. Uh, from Brooklyn, uh, we had a wonderful day. Uh, and this Monday, we're going to do Columbus Day. Great. And I'm, I'm trying to get some of our Italian friends to call in today to talk about Columbus Day coming. What do you think? I, I think
1: it would be great. And you think of people like Charles Palminteri who goes for the list. Uh, I mean, just some great uh, Italian-Americans. And I guess it was Mario Cuomo who said, that uh, New York is the ultimate mosaic and that every ethnic group maintains its own identity, but yet it's part of a larger picture. It's like a stained glass window. And so they keep their own beauty, but they add uh, to the greater uh, beauty of the whole city. And we should get back to that, not be saying that everyone is the same. We're not. Well, we have different uh, traits, different characteristics, different traditions, but we come together as Americans. But That's the all.
3: strength of New York, the strength of New York is how to put all these diverse people mm-hmm. together and we all Absolutely. live together. It's only been the last few years, there's been a, a great amount
5: of uh, craziness. Hate, divisiveness,
3: yeah. crime. Uh, horrible.
1: And for instance... Uh, I
5: blame social media.
1: A lot of yeah. A lot of it is media. social media yeah.
5: and laws that aren't being... Prosecutors who don't prosecute, DAs like we have here in Manhattan, Alvin Bragg, look at his day one memo. I've had lunch with uh, Alvin Bragg. And he's a very nice man.
3: He's a good guy. He's a smart guy. You know, I think he's Harvard, Harvard educated, very smart. I don't know where that attitude came from. <clears throat> he's a George Soros back DA, right? Well, is it that the the, the cash is coming in from George Soros and, and, and he doesn't want to say no to him? I mean, it seems like, you know... I know a lot of common-sense Democrats, a lot. I mean, I ran, I helped run Bill Clinton's campaign in the 90s. And, you know, he was a common-sense guy, I thought. And we have gone, the Democratic Party has gone the other way. Uh, Peter King, you, you've you been there through this entire period of time. Yeah. What happened to the Democratic Party there used to be a lot of common sense people there. And are the common sense people scared I think to they stand should... up against the, the ones that are a little bit off mentally or whatever?
1: I think part of it is like a herd mentality or an echo chamber that there's no doubt that the left wing, the progressives, whatever you want to call them, they are in the media. They are in the universities. and They just created this, this attitude that unless you're woke, unless you're left, unless you're progressive – Somehow you're not smart, you're not humane, you're uh, you're a bigot, you're a racist, you're a Neanderthal. Uh, they go through this whole, uh, and people get intimidated by it, and also they've organized by it. I give them credit. I mean, uh, some of these people, like, you know, Bill de Blasio, when he was reelected mayor of New York, he got 17% of the total voters in New York City. Because people, uh, the average person is not willing to be organized anymore. It used to be you had strong political machines. They got the vote out. Now people uh, – it bothers me in a way because they don't bother to vote. Don't bother to get involved. And yet they complain afterwards about how all these people are ruling the city. Well, they should get out and they should vote. But now people like Bragg, I don't, I don't know them at all, but they are from the left. I think they honestly believe these views. Like, for instance, you mentioned Columbus Day. Did you ever think when you were growing up that people would be taking away the name Columbus Day? That Columbus would be somehow they're taking the statue down? Uh, they'd be covering up his picture in I, universities? I can't believe it. it I and mean, being
5: called Indigenous Peoples Day yeah. now?
3: Well, I don't mind having Indigenous Peoples Day, but maybe it should be in addition yeah, to I Columbus. Yeah. I mean, you want to create a new holiday, fine. But, you know, I mean, why throw out Columbus? Yeah, I mean, I, what, what did, you know, uh, the next thing you know. Caesar's palace better beware because they're going to take down Caesar's statue
1: yeah I mean you can go through any of the great huh? people in history they have you're going to call it a dark side or a blemish or whatever that's human nature but you look at the big picture okay George Washington was a slaveholder, but he also created the greatest country in the world when Thomas Jefferson wrote the Declaration of Independence so all these people no, they're not perfect but they're more perfect than almost anyone that
3: ever came before them or since So it's, uh, we must be coming up on a break or something Maybe we're, we're, Frank Sinatra's I'm, I'm here. learning the business. You know, uh, uh, if Bernie and Sid are here, they play different music. When, when I'm here and Peter here, we're, we're it's over 70, so they play over 70 music. And, uh, the classy music. Nothing like
1: Sinatra, nothing like Joe Piscopo, who <laughs> John on your station here does a great job with Sinatra. He really is great guy. Sinatra's are we taking the a
3: break, uh, Control? Okay, let's go take that break, and we'll be right back.
7: I've been hearing a lot about Lang Insurance. They sell luxury home insurance to high net worth individuals in all 50 states. Call Kevin Lang at Lang Insurance. Call 866 964 4434. He's an expert in reviewing your current coverage to save money, leaving you with your current insurance company or moving you to a less expensive one. Clients rave about his skills. You call, they quote, you save. That's 866 964 4434 or just visit langins.com.
8: We're doing it live! Hey,
0: Bill O'Reilly here, and you are listening to Bernie and Sid. God help you. On the Red Apple Podcast Network.
9: On <laughs> the
3: Well, waking up a millionaire is not good enough anymore. I think you have to wake up as a billionaire. What do you think, Peter?
1: Well, that covers you, John. It leaves me and Chad Lopez out of the picture, but uh it comes to billionaire, you're going to You never know. Right
3: uh, some of these lotteries <laughs> are a billion dollars these days.
1: Listen, if I caught the baseball last night, you know, the that average Judge hit, I pe- Absolutely, yeah. But uh, no, John, the only, you're the only uh, billionaire that I'm fully aware of, and uh, that's why now, you own WABC Peter, and why you were doing Peter, great.
3: Well, uh, Peter, uh they had uh, Frank Morano on the other side of midnight had a, uh, a segment on there, and he says some people that would catch a ball like that, they would give it back to the player, give it back to the team, or get $2 million. What would you do? Uh, I, I would go for the $2 million, but I tell you, I can understand why
1: somebody would keep it, but I told, Aaron Judge told the guy to keep it. I mean, he uh, realized it makes common sense. <clears throat> to do it, and uh again, he's a baseball fan. Uh, but I do know when Roger Maris hit his sixty, the guy Sal Durante caught the ball, and he brought it in to give it to Maris. And Maris said, no, you keep it, make a few bucks for yourself. Wow. <clears throat> so, that
3: was very nice.
1: Yeah, I think Roger Maris never got the credit he deserved. He was playing in the shadow of Mickey Mantle, and uh
3: somehow people Mickey resented. Mantle <laughs> had 54, Roger Maris had 61. Okay, here's the trivia question. For all you old-timers out there, how many home runs did it hit back-to-back, Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris? That would have been
1: 105? No, 100...
3: back-to-back.
1: Oh, back. Oh, I don't know. Uh,
3: back-to-back, I, I thought. I, I'm I, not sure.
1: I would say three times. I don't know.
3: No, no, I thought it was about 13, 14 times.
1: That would be an awful lot to go back-to-back. I remember they used to call it Dial in for Murder when it would be uh, Maris and Mantle back-to-back hitting M- them.
3: The right. M&M boys.
1: <laughs> you got it. M&M, yeah. It the was, M&M, uh,
3: M&M boys. You know, those were... Great days for the Yankees.
1: By the way, I'm going to put Chad Lopez. He's sitting there smiling at us. He said, look at these two <laughs> old guys talking about Roger Bunch Maris old, and Mickey mouse This Maddow. is the old <laughs> – <laughs> <laughs> wait,
3: wait, 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 wait. Peter, this is the old-timers game. <laughs> this is the old-timers show.
10: <laughs> that is not true. I'm not saying that. What I what I was thinking is, John, your your first question was about if a millionaire or a billionaire, right? You yes. wake up a millionaire or billionaire. That's the first question. There's, there's one thing I think that's really important with that. If you wake up a millionaire or a billionaire, right – It's what you do with it, and do you continue to have that work ethic like you do? I'm not just doing it because you're sitting here, but the work ethic, because then you can take that million and billion and do the right thing with it and make it more. As far as the baseball, if I caught that baseball for the $2 I would keep it and hold on to it because it's going to be worth a lot more later on. So you would keep it instead of cashing in. Yeah, instead of cashing in right away, I would hold on to it because I know it's going to be worth a lot But more. you would get all the credit for being a good baseball fan. Yeah, who correct. Had, and then correct. when no one's
1: looking <laughs> five years from now. Okay. Okay. I should have known that. <laughs> so that's, that's what I'm thinking when I'm
11: laughing about it. Peter. Okay. Okay.
1: So you weren't laughing at me and John for <laughs> no, being a bunch of old guys. No, nope. Talking about the past. Nope. No, I, no way. I, I thought it was also good that Roger Maris' son was traveling with the team to congratulate Aaron Judge when, when he hit it. And also... Aaron Judge is, uh, again, it's the most ever in the history of the American League. But as far as I'm concerned, this is the real record. Because the other guys who hit more than that, Sammy Sosa and uh, Mark McGuire and Bonds, they were all filled with steroids. I mean, Aaron Judge did this clean. He did it the right way. And, again, from my all accounts, he's a, a good guy. And also, listen, I give him, as a Mets fan, I give Aaron Judge full credit. But also, the Mets had a great season. They won 100 games. Uh, Peter Lonzo is going to lead the major leagues in RBIs. Jeff McNeil right now is leading the major leagues in batting average. And the Mets are going to be in the playoffs. But uh, give Aaron Judge credit. Uh, but I don't know when there's ever been – I'm going back now. I, now, Chad, can really laugh at us. But during mm-hmm. the uh, early 1950s, every year there was both teams, in the National and the American League, were from New York. It was either the Yankees and Dodgers, the Yankees and Giants, and they really monopolized baseball. This is the first time since then – You've had two New York teams having great seasons the same year. In the past, the Yankees had a lot of good seasons. The Mets didn't. When the Mets did have great seasons, the Yankees didn't. But now you have, again, the top hitters, the top teams. This is is great for New York baseball. If we just could get the city under control and get crime under control and bring business back and make New York the city that it should be, uh, again, then uh, everything would be great. But for now, let's, let's enjoy this moment. Well said.
11: Well said.
3: So I understand that Dr. Peter Mifolos will also be calling in uh and about at about 6:40 uh, and I have and, uh, this,
1: this a good friend of mine uh, uh, Dana Delf- uh excuse me Anna Dalfaus who's from Bro- uh, Brooklyn and Staten Island she organized the Back to Blue rallies back in 2020 when the cops were under siege and now she is involved in sponsoring a big rally for Lee Zeldin, Women for Zeldon, this uh, Friday and she's going to come in and talk about that about the importance of getting women involved and also the importance of electing Lee Zeldin as governor. So that, that that should be very interesting also. Also, as I mentioned before, I put in a plug for my foot doctor. I hurt my foot years ago in the Army. Nothing dramatic. So it a basic training. I screwed up my ankle, and I kept going on it. Now it's sort of all the ligaments are gone. But anyway, Dr. Rock, Dr. Rock Pasitano, who's been uh, the doctor for the stars, the New York Jets, Henry Kissinger, Rudy Giuliani, Joe DiMaggio. He has a book out called Street Smarts. There's a chapter in there that I wrote, but it's about how people from working class neighborhoods, largely immigrant neighborhoods, can really make a success of themselves, especially here in New York. So it's a, it's a book. It's out this week. It's going to be, uh, uh, again, great book, Street Smarts by Dr. Rock Positano. Well, he, but he's not a billionaire. He's doing very well, but I don't think he's a billionaire like you, John.
3: Only in America. America. <laughs> They they're they gonna update that song, yeah. But don't forget, it came from 135th.
1: No, listen. Uh, I mean, you. Uh, I mean, I, I, you certainly had better than I did. But I grew up in Sunnyside. I uh, worked full time when I was in college. Worked the Railway Express, and uh, I don't know anyone again who had a uh, uh, a you know, trust uh, for them. Uh, Everybody had to work. But, again, I'm not complaining. I had it easy compared to you. But, again, I mean, I worked continually. My father worked two and three jobs at a time. That's just the way it was when you were growing up. And uh, today when you hear some kid is, they have to take a year off in between high school and college. They have to take another year off after they get out of college. Uh, it's uh, this whole privileged upbringing that too many kids have.
3: Peter, let's talk about a subject I know about. Uh, there's been a lot of stress lately in the uh, what's going on in the oil business. Right. And the price of gas, uh, as I uh, had come down to uh, $76 a barrel, the price was coming down to $3 a gallon. Yep. And then all of a sudden, you know, uh, the Russians and and the Saudis, they need money. They prefer $100 a barrel than $70 a barrel. So what happens? All of a sudden, the, the Saudi Arabia announces we're going to cut production by a million barrels. I mean, what say you about that?
1: No, I'd say we've put ourselves in a way it's, it's our own fault. Uh, when President Biden cut back on oil production, knocked out the pipeline uh, for some reason that's going to make because uh, he wants to cut back on the use of oil. Meanwhile, all it did was give more leverage to the Saudis, to OPEC, to Russia. We should be supplying the world. We should be energy independent, as we were under President Trump. So, listen, I I don't trust the Saudis. I don't trust the Russians. I don't trust OPEC. But the fact is, they're doing what they feel is best for them, and we put ourselves in that position. And I say ourselves, Joe Biden put the United States in that position. John, it was one of my first days on the show here back in uh, January of 2021, and President Biden's first executive order was to cancel the pipeline. And you that, and again, it hit me as being wrong, but you were the one who said that was going to cause
3: problems with the supply Oil chain, with inflation. went from 55 to 125. <clears throat> and how that affected every other product. It affected fertilizer for the farmers. It affected diesel fuel uh, for for everything that gets <clears throat> delivered to stores, yeah. for the factories. Right. Factories. Food, vegetables, everything. Factories and trucks run on diesel fuel. And that led to price increases on, uh, oil farm products, led like to price increases on all supermarket products. And, and I remember President Biden said originally, uh, we're not going to raise the taxes on, uh, on the poor or middle class. Well, guess what? If you double the price of gasoline, if you double the price of food or increase it by 30, 40%, who's paying for it? Well, the people are that. And
1: it's the middle-income people. It's the blue-collar people. It's the working families. They're the ones who get hit the hardest. That is a tax. That's a vicious tax. But you can't deduct it anywhere either. Now, it's a terrible situation we put ourselves in. So, yes, I blame the Saudis. I blame the Russians. The fact is we we
3: gave them that leverage. We got a special... The clip of the day that usually plays at this time. <laughs>
0: Thanks, John. Traffic and sports is coming up next, but right now it's the 77 WABC clip of the day. Listen to the guys behind the glass, my guys, Justin Elk and Eric Salas. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Here, Eric talks about Kenny Galladay and the Giants.
12: Kenny Galladay literally. The opportunity comes that you're waiting for because you're pissed telling the media that you don't have enough playing time. You should be playing regardless of what happens and you drop it. He's so mentally shot at this point. He is. He's just out of it. That they have to get him out of there. But yeah, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to jump on the bandwagon that the Giants are doing the right thing here because first of all, you're paying this guy a lot of money and you didn't even give him a fair shake. I feel bad for the guy. And this guy is injury prone before when he was in um, Detroit, but come to New York. He's ready to play and you're not playing him. What do you want him to do?
0: Bernard McGurk. Unacceptable is throwing your beer can on the subway track. <laughs> Sid Rosenberg. I don't believe it's a three man race. Bernie and Sid in the morning. On the Red Apple Podcast Network.
3: Well, we're back. Uh, John cassie here and uh, Congressman Peter King. And the show's called The King and I. I mean, it sounds pretty good. And, it sounds and good. It, it, we're temporarily for one day on Yom Kippur, uh, taking over from Bernie and Sid. And um, yeah, Bernie is home uh, uh, again,
1: not enjoying back you know worshiping on, 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 on Yom Kippur. He's observing Yom Kippur, and Bernie, of course, is you know is fighting back from prostate cancer. Two great guys. Sid observing Yom Kippur. Bernie, uh, you know, really doing the tough fight, tough, courageous fight. Two great guys best show on on radio except for cats at night and uh, so here we are this morning john
3: and uh calling in right now we have our in-house wabc in-house genius uh he knows uh, a lot about science and knows a lot about life and a lot about medicine uh dr peter Mihalos. doctor how are you this morning
13: i'm doing great john and uh As you just said, health is so important and uh, early detection of cancer is so important. And this month is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So to all our listeners out there, because so many people missed their annual uh, physicals, their mammograms, their colonoscopies, their pap smear tests, we remind people that this is Breast Cancer Awareness Month and for women who are 40 and over. So please go and get your mammograms because early detection is so important with all types of cancer. And uh, if you have any of the risk factors like early uh, menstruation, if you're overweight, if you have five or more alcoholic beverages a week, that's associated with uh, breast cancer. So we encourage people to get their mammograms. Also, women who have dense breasts are higher risk. And uh, there are tests that you can do. The mammography now is very low radiation. And then if they suspect the cyst, they also have ultrasound. And there's also MRI, which is another modality that works for uh, detecting breast cancers. And uh, there are other things you can do also.
1: Dr. Miklos, this is Pete King. Let me just say that I agree with everything you've said. My mother uh, had breast cancer. She was diagnosed early and went on to live a very healthy 20 years after that into her 90s, and my daughter, uh, who was only in her mid-40s at the time, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. Apparently, it was caught at the earliest possible stage. Uh, She's now four years out, everything clear, but she still goes in every three months for the checkups. But you're right, and uh, neither one of them had any symptoms, any signs at all, and yet it was uh, in the annual uh, physical with the mammogram. It was detected in both cases, and uh, I've known any number of other women who have been in that situation.
13: Absolutely. And there's even blood tests now, as we've talked about on WABC, there's the gallery test by Grail, which is a blood test you can do, and it can spot 50 cancers in the earliest stages. I just heard about another case of someone who I recommended to go get the test, and they found out they had a non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, which would have never been picked up. They had no symptoms, but now they're going to get treatment, and they'll get the help that they need. Another person who thought they were fine and found out they had a bladder cancer and they looked up into their bladder, they found a little tiny spot in the earliest stages, but it ends up showing up on a uh, simple blood test. So it's amazing that these things exist and uh, hopefully they'll get into the uh, regular doctor's offices. But early detection is so important, just like with prostate cancer, early detection and aggressive treatment is very important because many times a lot of these conditions are painless And uh, we don't really feel anything. And it really is important,
1: doctor. It's so important to get to that. Listen, I'm from the Irish school. Uh, We don't want to know what's wrong with us. We stay away from doctors, which is the worst thing you can possibly do. My uh, wife and my daughter force me to, and my sister, who's a nurse, basically forced me to go to the doctor every year. And unfortunately, a lot of people out there, especially men, somehow they feel if they're not told about it, it's not going to hit them. And yet, so really, people like me have to be overcome. We have to be told we have to go. We have to get the checkups. Uh, and I'd say women are more reliable than men are on this. I don't know what your experience is, but men generally try yeah. to avoid going to the doctor. Oh, yeah. You know, in fact, my Irish relatives used to say nobody ever died till they went oh, to see yeah. the doctor. Well, that's because they went to the doctor to just, be, you know, when the illness had, it was so far gone. So I think, you know, your message is important to get it out to everyone in every community, male, female, and uh, especially in communities Absolutely. where diseases are more likely, certain illnesses are more likely in certain certain communities, if there's <laughs> a diet or whatever.
13: And there are options now that people can do if someone's absolutely afraid of a doctor. You can actually now go online to, for example, mylifeforce.com. You can get a blood test and get 43 biomarkers for $349. And they'll even come to your house, they'll draw your blood, and they'll give you all the results online. And if something comes out of the normal range, they tell you, and then you can go see a doctor. So even if you don't have insurance and you really don't feel you can afford to spend thousands of dollars on blood tests. There are inexpensive options now that, you know, you can actually do. Another one is Inside Tracker. They check about 80 biomarkers, and they'll even tell you your biological age, how young you are based on your blood work, which is pretty wild, and you don't even need a prescription, and you can do that online. And that's another option for those listeners out there who might be between jobs or not have health insurance right now. So there are inexpensive options to get, at least, you know, your blood screening work. And someone the other day who listened to WABC came up to thank me because they uh, did it and they found out that they're a woman with testosterone elevation and and abnormal lipids because there was something called polycystic ovarian disease. But if it wasn't for listening to WABC and going and getting that blood test, now she's getting the treatment that she needs and uh, she'll be okay. But this is a young 30-year-old who didn't have health insurance. So people do listen, and uh, there are options out there to uh, help people so they can be healthy.
3: Dr. Peter, uh, uh, you know, you're usually on on Sundays on my show or or the 5 o'clock show. So this morning show is a completely different audience. You talk about so many other things. Uh, Talk to us about uh, fasting.
13: Well, fasting, it turns out that uh, intermittent fasting, when we were – cavemen and cave women. we didn't have breakfast or refrigeration. So what we did was we went out and we had to hunt first. We gathered the food usually by noon or one. We wanted to get out of the sun. So we went back in the cave. We ate then. Then we took the leftovers out before it got dark. So the animals would need us by six or seven. And then our gut rested for 16 hours. And that's intermittent fasting. And some of the studies, including one of the early studies that was done, which was pretty amazing on rats. For mice who were given 2000 calories to pick at over a 24-hour period and another set who were given the same 2000 calories to eat it over a three-hour period and the mice that ate in that three-hour period and let their gut rest for 21 hours those mice live 30 percent longer and that seems to be translating into humans too that those people who eat less often and allow their guts to rest because it turns out that our intestines are 80% of our immune system. And when our gut is resting, it's focusing on healing and going after what are called dead and dying senescent cells. They found that after about 15, 16 hours that our T killer cells, which are the cells that go after cancer cells, they spike and they start going after cancer cells and that there's even a place out in California and they've just published that and it's pretty impressive that some people with solid tumors who were in a you know doctor supervised and controlled fasting situation and their tumors shrank because it turns out that sugar and uh carbohydrates tumors love those things so fasting in certain uh, religions in Judaism, Islam and Christianity turns out to be one of the best things that people can do to basically reset your body, and again, you're not—we're not talking about fasting for days and weeks. We're just talking about trying to eat between noon and eight, and recently even Elon Musk tweeted about it that he did it and lost 20 pounds. And uh, many of our friends uh, who it's helped, and uh, I, you know, watched it myself. You know uh, how the lab started getting better, and cholesterol starts coming down, the hemoglobin A1C, which is a measure of. How your blood sugar has been doing starts coming down. So there's a lot of benefits, and it doesn't cost anything.
3: Me, me and do, you uh, went on at about process. the same time. I think you started a couple months before me, and it's I think it's worked wonders for the two of us.
13: Yeah, no, I think uh, you definitely have more energy uh, as well. See, what happens is people don't realize when you eat uh, carbohydrates in the morning and breakfast, your insulin kicks in, and then... Your your blood sugar starts to drop and you feel tired and exhausted. You actually end up having more energy when you don't because when we were cavemen and cavewomen, we're genetically programmed for millions of years that we had to have energy and we had to go after in the morning when you don't eat. You have to. Where do you go for food and energy? You go after the refrigerator that sits in our gut, and in our gut we go after and start breaking down the fat, and that's our portable refrigerator sitting in our midsection. Instead, if you put in fresh sugar and carbs in the morning, then your body says, oh, look, I've got fresh uh, sugar and glucose here. So I don't have to go after the – I don't have to open my refrigerator in my gut to break down some of that fat. And that's really how it works.
3: The other sensitive subject I talk to you about uh, because uh, we talk about it at 5 o'clock is uh, uh, I'm getting a lot of people coming to me and saying they're scared to get the next booster. There is fear out there, and do you think the fear is justified or, well, what is your i I know we always say that they should check with their own doctor, which they should,
13: but yeah, people uh, should say you no know, check with their own physician. everybody's situation is different, for example uh, a lot of patients, for example, who are immune compromised when they get an injection uh let's say someone's on the uh, anti rejection drugs and they had a heart transplant when they get the shot they're not going to launch the same type of immune response to the vaccine. So there are other options. There's an IV called Evushield. There's an IV called Beltelmover, which are ready-made antibodies, so your body doesn't have to launch an attack. So there are other options for certain high-risk people. In certain countries, they're analyzing the data. For example, in uh, some of the European countries, they're saying people 50 and under they're not really recommending shot because it's a risk benefit ratio mm-hmm. every shot even the flu shot has potential side effects, but you really have to sit and talk to your doctor and discuss the risk uh benefit ratio uh if it's if it's right if it's right for you and uh you know especially with the the children you know the data on the children now is coming out that you know is it is it really um uh, Going to help, uh, you know, are the comp, are the complications or potential side effects greater than the disease in a, in a young kid? So these things are all being looked at and studied right now. And we we need more data because the problem is, as we know with the annual flu vaccine, they're not tested on humans. They just update it based on the strain that they think will be out. And the same thing with the new COVID booster. It wasn't tested on humans and they admitted it. They tested it only on mice. And the human testing basically started with people getting it about two weeks ago on Tuesday with the new uh, bivalent uh, vaccine. So I think high risk individuals who are high risk for going on to serious disease, you know, should uh, be vaccinated after a discussion with their doctor. But some of the younger People, you know, it, it may, it, it may or may not uh, be an option uh, that their doctors say whether they really need to get them. And doctors are, you know, divided on this. If you talk to clinicians and the problem is that when, when we have, for example, even the last administration, they had people who were uh, epidemiologists standing up there talking about COVID and they weren't people who were actually treating COVID on the front lines. Just like people made fun of hydroxychloroquine and now this big study done by Chadwick Podromos who looked at every study in the world found, yes, in those studies where people were already hospitalized, it was useless, but when they gave it the first few days, it did help block the cytokine storm and inflammation, but nobody's talking about that on the media. That just like Tamiflu, it doesn't work if you take it on day seven for a flu, but it works if you take it the first three days. And even ivermectin now, the Pasteur Institute, which is one of the most prestigious uh, places in the world, found in the animal model that it blocked inflammation because you don't die from the virus. You die from your own body attacking it, causing the cytokine storm and inflammation in your lungs. So the Pasteur Institute study is very interesting because it's going to open up other uh, research and they're wondering why people in Africa who take ivermectin regularly for parasite disease weren't dying from Covid and now the Pastor Institute is saying, well, it doesn't block viral replication, but it does block the inflammation. So we're 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 learning a lot, and a lot of things that people were calling fake news, for example, and now it's turning out that okay, maybe that's not exactly, you know, fake news. So there are things happening. There more research needs to be done. Testing will be done on humans, and we're learning. Just like the vitamin D level, you know, we learned that people with lower vitamin D levels didn't fare as well. Just like we learned the other day with the Nobel Prize winner that it turns out that there's actually a gene for how you're going to respond to COVID. And people who inherited something called the Neanderthal gene, and those Neanderthals are extinct because extinct, it turns out that there's a gene on chromosome 3 that doesn't allow you to fight off infection. So, so if you have a,
3: a Neanderthal gene... What percentage of the Europeans or or the Asians have Neanderthal genes left?
13: 16% of people from Europe have the Neanderthal gene that affects the immune system and the ability to fight off lung and respiratory infections. So so those
3: 16% are more susceptible to dying of COVID than anybody else.
13: Absolutely, and also they found type O blood people were more resistant to getting COVID on another uh, chromosome. So we have a out. Dr. Learning.
3: Mihalos, We'll have you on again. Thank you so much. We got a break coming up, and uh, thank you so much for keeping us informed. Let's go to that break.
0: Bernard McGurk. Bernard has been a friend of mine for so long. And Sid, you too. Sid Rosenberg. Not good, great. Bernie and Sid in the morning. I love you guys. I listen to you every morning. and walk around the house laughing my butt off. On the Red Apple Podcast Network.
3: See, we're back to the Bernie and Sid music. Uh, uh, No longer the old-timers music.
1: Yeah, who snuck that in? I mean, Sid's out of here, Sid. We shouldn't have to play his music either.
3: Well, we're back and uh you know uh, WABC uh we uh at night we're in 36 states. We go all the way from uh Florida all the way to Canada to northern Europe. Uh during the day we have a few less states, we're in about four, or five states, six states. Um because of uh, uh we're 50,000 watts clear channel. Uh and that's the way it works. When the sun goes down and we're clear channel we go from uh, – you know what Curtis says? From Davy Jones' locker <laughs> in the Bahamas all the yeah. way up.
1: Well, I tell you, I've i had a number of friends, relatives traveling through Europe who listen to the show over there, and they feel they're back at home. So that's the you know, reconnection to New York. And, well, uh, the show definitely having an impact, John. Yep, yep. i got so many places people talk about it. I was just saying to Chad Lopez – I think you've reached the stage now with the show that people think they know everyone at WAV. They talk about... Well, what family. They call, uh, they call them by their first name. What's John doing? What's Chad doing? What's Sid doing? Yeah, you know, I was at uh, Bobby
3: L- Vann's restaurant last night, and people came up to me and said hello. And uh,
1: Bobby Van's owned by... He owns about five or six of them. Joe Smith, a good friend well, of mine. Well, there's one of them, from them that the
3: food is extra good. I won't tell everybody what, where, where it is.
1: I'd say I, I he had two of them in Washington. They were great. I like all of them in Manhattan, but again... Joe Smith with Bobby Vance. Great, great restaurant. Again, an immigrant success story from Belfast, Northern Ireland. Now making a fortune. Not as rich as you, John, but he's doing very well with all this Bobby Vance. Only in America.
3: Absolutely. Now, only in America. We have uh, reporting in to give us the state of the state of New Jersey. We have former governor, Jim McGreevy. Jim McGreevy, how are you today?
14: John, I, I I guess they brought out the Gentiles today. Uh, well, yeah, you know, uh,
3: Jews need, need not apply today. I mean, they're taking the day exactly. off. Exactly,
14: they're pr- praying for our souls. But I, if I can just say, Peter, the way you described yourself and your family sounded so much like my family. I mean, it's just like my mother was a nurse. My father, God rest his soul, if my mom didn't drag him to a doctor, he never would have gone.
1: Yeah, it really so, is I something mean, among uh, especially Irishmen. Uh, it seems like all the white ethnic men. That I know, uh, we just don't want to go to the doctors. And, uh, it's almost this thing that, uh, you don't trust a doctor. And if you don't find out you have one of these cancers or whatever it is, you know, you're going to survive. And, uh, uh, but again, you know, all of us, and I'm a little older than you, Jim, we came from the tradition where once you had cancer, you were dead. There was almost nothing to be done about it. Now, yeah. overwhelming majority of cases, if they find it, you're cured.
14: Yeah, and and my you know dad was a marine. He yep. was a marine drill instructor. But mom had two bouts of breast cancer. My father had prostate. He had you know the radiation, and he lived for decades after. So you know, listening to the good doctor, and he he was a little bit over my head. But I mean, it was just I mean, it's go to the doctor, get access to the protocols, and 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 it
1: worked. Oh, Jim, not to be more, but my my father's case, uh, he was in the army reserve. He was also a uh, a, a lieutenant in the police, he had to get a physical every year. And when he was yeah. in the army, uh, he he would fill out his own physical form rather than get it. And It turned out he died from prostate cancer. So I mean, that was like a lesson. His thing, you know, it was all everything was you know negative, negative, negative. He check it off, and you know, uh, you know, put in some doctor's name for it. He was an officer. He got away with it, and and, and he thought he was getting away with it. So you know, he was doing yeah. fine. And he was a physical specimen, never sick a day in his life. Uh, but he died from prostate cancer. That, that was a lesson to me. I tell you
14: good for you yeah and i just wanted to call and i you know i spoke to john earlier i don't know if you saw there was a recent report in the police reports the dea the drug enforcement agency and if i if i could make a plug for them because what i do now in terms of working with young men and women that are addicts or coming home from prison or war it's addiction but they the dea does great work and john they seized a woman um a new jersey woman coming through the lincoln tunnel 15,000 pills of fentanyl, 15,000, 40% of which had a lethal dosage, and they were marked to be Oxycontin, which people would think would be a legal prescription. So, I mean, what I think the message is, is that we try to provide for drug treatment, detoxification, and residential treatment to anybody in New Jersey. And the the reason why this is so important is that the fentanyl is so much more toxic, so much more dangerous.
3: It's crazy. Governor McGreevy, it is crazy that they're allowing it through the borders. I mean, China is feeding it to uh, the Chinese cartels, are feeding it to the Mexican cartels. and, And all they're doing is walking over the borders. You know, the interesting statistic I give everybody Vietnam, we lost fifty thousand Americans. Well Korea, fifty thousand Americans. Afghanistan, yep. seven thousand Americans. That's a hundred and seven. In the last twelve months. To fentanyl, we lost a hundred and forty thousand. Yep. In twelve months. I mean what is that all about?
14: Well, I mean it, it's 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 John, it was it was OxyContin. it was Percocet, it was the Purdue scandal. It was doctors, unfortunately, certain bad actors overprescribing. But then the illegal market replicated the legal market. And fentanyl, as as probably most listeners know, is a synthetic opioid. So basically, as you just said, it came from China to Mexico. The Mexican cartels cut the heroin. But the reality is today, John, and we, we test our young guys and gals, is that there's no more heroin in the heroin any longer. It's just pure fentanyl with filler. And, and so, it kills people.
3: It just kills them. It
14: kills people. It kills people. So what people have to understand, we're talking, Peter, we're talking like grains of sand. Yep. Three grains of sand you live, four grains you die, and obviously the person that's cutting the, the drug, the, the, the fentanyl opioid, isn't you know, a chemist at a pharmaceutical company. And so what happens is the imprecision, the mistakes, and so that we see, you know, in Jersey, there's 3,000 people dying a day. And so, you know, Senator Teresa Ruiz wants, you know, education on the on the local level, which is so critically important, even as, even pushing it back to the middle school so that young kids, unfortunately, are, are, are aware. But to go to what you said, John, that's why, the Drug Enforcement Agency, the DEA, is so important because they're the tip. They're spearheading this effort to stop or to interdict the flow of illegal drugs into this country. I mean, these 15,000 pills, what that could have made, and if 40 percent of those 15,000 pills were over the limit, though I mean, you're talking about a, an appreciable death rate. So we just want to plug, I mean, if anyone is interested in detox or residential treatment, and, and the other point is, is and Peter, you know this from years in Congress and grappling with, with these issues of, of addiction and, and public health, is that the importance of fentanyl is so toxic, John, the need to get into treatment as early as possible. And what we do is we put them on something called medication-assisted treatment because it helps them, literally, the neural blockers, to block the craving for the fentanyl. And if I can, you know, our number, we have a 732-948-5880, 732 948 And the name
3: of the organization you know, again?
14: Yeah, this is the New Jersey Reentry Corporation, and you can look at us online or on the website, www njreentr But the point is, is in terms of addiction, when the DEA is stopping someone on the Lincoln Tunnel with 15,000 pills marked as Oxycontin, 40% of which are of a dangerous level, this is what's flooding our streets. And so, respectfully, the young kids, in like in high school you know, I remember you know, we, we took a swig of J, Jägermeister or whatever. Now these kids are taking pills, but they don't understand that the pills, even if they're marked as Oxycontin, which would be a legal pharmaceutical, or illegally marked, and they could possess fentanyl, which would literally pose a risk to their lives. So
3: Governor, one, one more question, because we don't talk about this anymore, and I want to know what the truth is: Opioids. I mean nobody talks about opioids anymore. Not even Matt warning. Matt you you don't talk about opioids.
14: Well, I mean the the reality is, is, is fentanyl is opioids in addition to fentanyl. Fentanyl is a form of so basically John you have you know heroin as as an opioid but then what <coughs> happened was in terms of the the they manufactured synthetic opioids which is which are far more toxic and so fentanyl if you will is a derivation of of is a synthetic opioid and so what's happening in america is we're 5% john we're 5% of the world's population 5% we consume upwards of 97 to 99% of the world's opioids so i mean to my mind you know you know and, and you know, I can talk about you know the importance of of traditions and and family and faith and community organizations, but for these young people, and Peter, particularly for these young men of of every background, of of every ethnicity and race, they've lost sometimes my sense is a loss of sense of purpose, a sense of discipline, and so you know, in in terms of addiction, we just. Struggle to try to pull them back, to give them a measure of of, of focus and job training. You know, something as old-fashioned as HVAC, as welding, as CDL, and get these guys on the right course. But part of this is really rigorously monitoring John, their 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 drug use, and keeping them on a regimen but keeping them healthy, engaged in work in work training, so they get back on the right track. Hey, Jim,
1: if I could just say, say something. So, you know, uh, yeah. Time is going to be running out. But, I mean, you are proving that there is constructive life after politics, and what you're doing is really God's work, and I really commend you for it. Uh, some people think that you know uh, politics is it, that once you're out of politics, uh, you can't do much, or it's just like an ego thing. You are really showing how what constructive, positive steps can be taken by a gifted person after he leaves politics, so thank you.
14: Uh, Peter, you're kind, but there there weren't many openings for, you know, has-been-washed-up Irish Catholic politicians.
1: Thank God I ran into John Caspertini's,
14: otherwise. (laughs) (laughs) No, you were were the guy that the whole community looked up to. You were, I was talking about myself, not you. Okay.
1: I was talking about myself. So there you go.
3: Well, uh, Jim McGreevy, <laughs> thank, thank you for uh, calling yeah, in this. And just, uh, so
14: just, and John, thank you. And if anybody has any problems, whether you're from New York or New Jersey or four states or 30 states, and you need some help, we'll help to connect you to wherever, if it's your son or daughter in terms of addiction treatment. And because I know a lot of parents, a lot of working class parents, don't think about this stuff. And candidly, there's probably no reason they should. But we'll help you, you know, figure out how to get that kid detoxed, and how to get that kid into treatment, and the earlier the better. If you suspect something, do it, and and, and don't be afraid to do it. Because help God those kids. You
3: help those them. kids. You're absolutely right. Yep. Governor Jim McGreevy, thank, thank you, you for everything you do. God bless you, and God bless America. So
14: long, Jim. Fargo. Thank you.
3: Thank you. And uh, we got in two minutes, I think we have uh, uh, Bill O'Reilly's tidbit coming on, and uh, uh, I'm glad uh, Governor is working hard to do and trying to save some kids.
1: No, he's very, very talented, very uh, dedicated person. You know, he left politics and government, but he's really back stronger than ever, and I give him credit for that. Some people, they, I guess, they need the ego gratification of politics. I hope I was in that category. And when they leave, they just don't know what to do. They sort of, uh, you know, they become lost in, in in themselves. So again, I give Jim credit for what he's done. What he's uh, you, you really managed to achieve.
3: We have some very interesting guests coming up. We can actually have Al D'Amato on. Uh, well, first we have, uh, uh, Bill O'Reilly's coming on right. at 720 right. for with his tidbit. And then Al D'Amato's coming on at 725. And then we have Bo, Bo Dietl Dietl at 740. Anyone who's not awake yet, when they
1: listen, after listening to Aldo and Bo Dietl, they'll be. They'll yep, definitely be ab- up. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, Al Mato, this is kind of early in the morning to be listening to Al D'Amato. I, I work with Al Mato for years and I used to dread talking to him in the morning because he, he gets up like three hours before the rest of us and he's screaming and yelling from the time he woke up. So I can imagine what he'll be like on the show today. We're
3: going to take a survey and we'll put out a survey. Who has a better uh, show? Uh, Bernie and Sid or the King and I? Uh, don't get Sid going. You
1: never know. He'll be, he'll be, uh, you know, you breaking his fast and coming in once he hears this.
3: <laughs> um, I understand. We got Bill O'Reilly coming up.
8: We're doing it live. Hey, Bill O'Reilly here,
0: and you are listening to Bernie and Sid. God help you on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Bill O'Reilly here,
8: and I'm warming up. Stand by for the O'Reilly Update Morning Edition. But first. No question there is a concerted effort to intimidate and silence conservative thinkers and replace our God-given individual liberty with big government controls. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is the leading conservative advocacy and benefits organization in America. AMAC gives you access to exclusive benefits and all kinds of great content. Please stand with AMAC at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C On this Wednesday, Donald Trump is suing CNN for a gazillion dollars, defamation. The network certainly defamed him, but Mr. Trump will not prevail because he'll have to show direct damages, and that will be hard to do. In England, the former president might win because the bar is a lot lower over there. But in America, with the press constitutionally protected, I do not believe Donald Trump will win his lawsuit. So why is he doing this? have to guess, and I don't like to do that, but the lawsuit will fire up the MAGA base and reinforce Trump's status as an avenger. Also, another hate Trump book is out this week, and the best defense is a good offense. Attacking CNN might drain some attention away from the book written by New York Times reporter Maggie Haberman. Incredibly, Haberman was granted three interviews by Donald Trump, even though she has pounded him for six years. So why would Trump give her any access at all? Well, it's the celebrity thing that I write about in Killing the Legends. Donald Trump likes attention, even if it hurts him. All in all, this lawsuit will take years, unless it's thrown out, and the winners will be the lawyers, as they usually are. Back after this. I am excited about a new streaming platform called VidGo. VidGo gives you the freedom to be entertained at a price you can afford. VidGo, has all of my favorite live sports networks, they have a great choice of news. All of that for $59 a month. You deserve the freedom to be entertained at a price you and your family can afford. Please go to VidGo, V-I-D-G-O dot com slash bill to check it out. That is the Morning O'Reilly Update. More analysis
0: later on. Bernard McGurk. Unacceptable is throwing your beer can on the subway (laughs) track. Sid Rosenberg. I don't believe it's a three-man race. Bernie and Sid in the morning. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Well,
3: we're back, and uh, we've had a great show so far today, and uh, we have a, a lot of people letting us know what the heck is going on in New York and the world. And with us today is today's, uh, Al D'Amato, Senator Al D'Amato, the number one senator New York State ever had.
1: John, if I could say something, I don't know if I would have agreed to do the show if I knew Al D'Amato was going to be on this early in the morning. But I worked with him for years. what You, dreaded was you
3: had this. some black coffee already.
1: And I need more than that with Al, because Al, Al is wide awake when the rest of us are still sleeping, so he's all ready to go. And I don't know if I'm <laughs> ready for him yet. Al, senator Al
3: D'Amato, for- what's on your mind?
1: Oh, listen, I
9: I uh, watched uh, Aaron Judge finally break the record, number 62. I think that's fabulous. He had a great year. And the Yorkers should all be proud to have him um, uh, playing for the Yankees. Um, what a what a wonderful individual, too. He just comes over as a, an extraordinary, not only ball player, but a wonderful person. And to see his family... Uh, celebrate with him again! Um, wonderful, fabulous, and no, so.
1: st- you know, no, no steroids, no scandals around him. Just uh, no. what you really want—you yeah. know, a guy you know for kids to look up to. Him. And also, it's a great uh, year for all New Yorkers, really. Had, uh, it had looks like Pete Alonso is going to lead the major leagues in RBIs, Jeff McNeil in batting average, but Aaron Judge—that stands above it all. What a what an achievement! Sixty-two home runs, my yeah. God! It was
9: fabulous, fabulous, and to watch his family with him. Yep. And then, of course, the Maris boy yep. who uh, was there and celebrated also, that's class. That is really class because he went to a number of those games, the yep. last four or five games, and and traveled uh, with the parents and, and <clears throat> with Judge's parents. So it was wonderful to see, great for New York. I'm a little disappointed that the Mets didn't win uh, the league, but they, they had a great yeah, thing. They won here. 100 games, my God, yeah. Yeah. So, but
3: it's, they, it's not going to be a Subway Series. I'm no,
1: disappointed. It can, no, it can be. Yeah. The Mets can still win out, sure. but they have to it's, yeah. they be able to. Can they still win out? Yeah, they can. Yeah, they, they yeah. you know, if yeah. they make it to the first round, then they play the Braves in the second round and go on. How, I think you and I would agree because we're old enough to remember. Roger Maris never got the credit he deserved. He was really a quiet, unsung guy, and uh, he the 61 home and, and somehow people they thought Mickey Mantle should be the one, and they took it out on Maris. But he was really a quiet, decent mm-hmm. guy. And I think his son yeah. is carrying forth that tradition.
3: Maybe uh, Senator knows how many back-to-back homers do Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris have. Back-to-back. You yeah. Mean in other words, uh, uh, Mantle hit? hits a homer and then and then Maris hits it, or vice versa.
1: I thought it was only three I, or I, four, I, the I, most. Now that's. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I I would wouldn't hazard the guess. Al, if but I, I could guess. see you in a certain way, because you know uh, you do have anger, and I think it really in this case it's serious. You didn't, just in the last week, you had that uh, EMS lieutenant who was stabbed to death. You had the uh, father visiting his son at Marist College being shot, and there's any number of others. But those two really stand out as indicative yeah, of what's uh, happening in New York. Uh, how do we? Yeah, t- how and, do we answer this? And, and let me let me
9: tell you the stupidity of passing uh, these uh, gun laws that just make it more difficult um, for law-abiding citizens to get a gun to protect themselves, et cetera, that's not the problem. The people who register and have uh, g- guns, uh, they're not the ones committing the crimes, but well, it's the people who who steal them, uh, who don't have a register. Um, it, it is the laws that permit this to go on. The, uh, the bail laws, well, where you can't hold the person, we're a judge. We're the only state in the nation where a judge cannot hold the person because the judge views them as dangerous to the community. For God's sake, change the law, you bunch of jackasses! Give the judges who would who would use that discretion to hold somebody instead of just having to release them. And so the bail reform has to be undertaken. Um, It is a tragedy, and this business is saying um, if you own the gun and you're legally on it, you can't go to X place or Y place, etc. What, do you think the criminals pay any attention to that? So you're not going to cut gun violence? Well, there was
3: was a lawsuit filed uh, yesterday uh, by a Jewish uh, organization because uh, legal gun owners uh, that have carry permits cannot go to synagogues. And the same ridiculous. thing, you cannot go to churches. and it's ridiculous. And, and, right. and also, you can't go to a restaurant where liquor is, so, uh, is served. Now, I, as far as I know, uh, every every restaurant has uh, liquor. Uh, liquor. Yeah. So, I right. mean, I don't understand what Governor Hochul signed on that.
9: Listen, the, Governor Hochul is afraid to take on the left wing, and she's become a left winger. It's incredible she's been a real Although, disappointment um, this, Al.
1: you know you and I both
9: had higher hopes for her I, you're absolutely right, and she a
7: great
3: I had high her. hopes for her, and I really she was a tough Irish girl, and I thought <laughs> that she she would tough up to the to Look, the people that 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 are crazy in Albany. John, let me tell you the awarding
9: of a six hundred million dollar contract to a firm. That just contributed three hundred thousand dollars to her a couple of days uh, before, and then uh, and then hiring the firm's the owner of the firm's son to work on her campaign and paying twice as much as should have been paid, no bid incredible, incredible that it, it it is heartbreaking to
1: see that this is the kind of thing that is taking place. Also, our, you know, crime is running wild. They pass a law saying you can't call inmates inmates. I mean, how how, how much longer are we going to bend over, you know, to criminals, tie the hands of cops? It's insanity. It's like the inmates are running the asylum.
9: Well, uh, I think we have a a, a bunch of left wingers who want to tell people what to do um, and and run our lives. And and whose are the lives—they're running the lives of law-abiding citizens. They're making rules for them, and they're letting the criminals out to run wild. And then they wonder why this is taking place. So you can pass all the laws you want restricting uh, people who own guns, who, who, who are registered gun owners, from going into different places. And the crime is going to continue to soar because you're jackasses. Who pass these laws don't don't realize that the criminals don't register their guns. So all you're doing is keeping law-abiding citizens to be able to protect themselves.
3: So the so firearms. if we advertise, if we advertise that nobody, uh, uh, none of the parishioners have guns, uh, then uh, the cr- the criminals are going to come. Well, <laughs>
9: the criminals can operate with more impunity because. Nobody's permitted in a church to have a gun, uh, as it relates to the law that you just spoke about. Imagine, so um, uh, law-abiding citizens can't carry a weapon to protect themselves, but criminals who don't care about it are the only ones who'll have the guns. So, and
15: then and they don't go to jail,
9: and, and then we can't even hold them when we arrest them, because you don't get the judges. The authority that they should have, and 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 because you you have these bail laws uh, which don't hold dangerous people, which
3: allow them Crazy. to go and you Crazy. Don't... Senator Damato, we got one minute left. What's, what got you riled up today? Everything
1: gets all riled up. Well, I
9: tell you what, when you see the kind of drugs that are being brought over the border and killing. Uh, over 100,000 youngsters a year, the fentanyl that comes from China and is brought over uh, by the Mexican drug cartel. And I, I say, close the damn border. Close it. And you don't allow people in here until you, you set up a procedure whereby they can be screened legally, et cetera, and you don't have a rush of 200,000 plus uh, 2 million-plus people a year uh, coming to the borders overwhelming communities, making believe and hiding, hiding uh, for a year and a half the secret flights that they had coming into New York and to other places up in Westchester, etc., and, and creating a burden uh, for the local communities and taxpayers.
3: Senator D'Amato, thank you for everything you've done for uh, New York, uh, our country, the world. God bless you, and and you continue to speak out at the age of 85. I was there at your birthday party, and you got more energy at 85 than you did at 75.
1: Al proves that only the good die young. (laughs) Thank you so much, and
3: uh, uh, we're going to take a break right now. We're going to go to Phil.
0: Traffic and sports coming up next, but right now it's the 77 WABC clip of the day. Listen to Guys Behind the Glass with my guys, Justin Eric, Justin Ellick and Eric Salas. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Here, Eric and Justin talk about Mr. 62, Aaron Judge.
12: I actually like the Giants as a National League team. Like If I had to choose I mean, like the a Yankees, National the Yankees, League Allegiance. Are you watching the Yankees if Judge is not on this team, on a different team? I would have to, as a fan. If he's on the Mets you bother watching? Not Why? when they play the Mets, I'll tell you that much. I, I don't think I would watch if he was on the Mets. I, I can't. You wouldn't can't watch matter. one Yankee game all season. No. You would boycott the Yankees for a whole year. I've had my fair share of boycotts. You can't. went on a hunger strike once. I did. You could question my fandom, but listen, there's some years Yankees were basura trash. They were. Okay, so I left, I came back. We're doing great. I think I'm the good luck charm. If you want to be. <laughs>
0: Bernard McGurk. Bernard has been a friend of mine for so long. And Sid, you too. Sid Rosenberg. Not good, great. Bernie and Sid in the morning. I love you guys. I listen
16: to you every morning and
0: walk around the house laughing my butt off. On the Red Apple Podcast Network.
3: Well, we're back. This is John katz and Congressman Peter King, otherwise known as the King and I. And, uh,. Our ratings are surpassing Bernie and Sids. Well, you know, you never know. I mean, and if, if Sid hears that he's going to break his fast and be in
1: here, and uh, so. Uh, it, but they are two giants in the field, and our prayers go for Bernie, and hopefully, Sid's praying for all of us today while he's fasting. Absolutely.
3: And on the line with us, uh, we have uh, the infamous, the infamous Bo Dito.
15: Bo, are you are you back? I'm back, and I'm going to tell you something. And things haven't changed in New York City. I went to Italy and Greece, and I came back. Same crap. Last night, I'm on 6th Avenue. I'm going over to uh, uh, the, my favorite restaurant over there, a new Greek restaurant over there, Avra. Avra, on 6th Avenue. And then all of a sudden, I parked my car, and then I'm getting out of my car, and there was a Teamster guy that had a van. He pulled up in front of me. He opens his door. Some little punk comes on a motor scooter, no license plate, nothing, and he tries to go by. He trips over the curb, he falls on the ground, he's got a big gas in his head, and he comes over to the guy, hey, you you, you, didn't, you didn't signal. I said, the guy didn't think so. I walk over there, I says, he goes like this, I want some paper. You know what that means in English in New York City? He wants money. So I told him, hey, listen to me, punk, you ain't got license plate on there. You ain't got a license. Get the hell out of here before I get the cops to lock your butt up. And he looks at me. But I had my jack off and then he looked down at my nine millimeter and he thought better than to get involved with the bowman, because the bowman got a lot of energy left, and I am so fired up about what's going on. One good thing you guys that have not touched upon the Republican uh candidate for attorney general, Michael Henry, is leading in the poll over Confucius Latina James. This is a big deal because in reality, if he becomes the attorney general, the governor has no control. He could start opening up investigations on Huckle with her money pay for play, her million million worth of uh, test kits, and we can, we can attack. So this is something that's very important that people realize. We're going in the toilet bowl. And if every Democrat, independent Republican, don't get their butts out there <clears throat> and vote for the candidates that are going to save us, we're going deeper and deeper. I watched the video yesterday. I was on with Eric Boland on that news fact. I watched a video. A little skinny punk kid in Times Square that trying to lock up two cops, four cops, and they couldn't lock them up because they can't get on top of them under these laws. So I want to, the poor cops out there are not able to do their job because they have no support. I'm I'm crazed about this. I'm really crazed. They and won't. all the hardworking people that go on the subway, then you get this fool, Tiffany Caban, a fool. She's a city council person. And she goes, subway crime is over, overblown. She didn't see those. Five fat people in green uh, get-ups, robbing those two young girls, two 19-year-old girls on the subway, punching the hell out of them and robbing them? Peter, can right. get a word in as wise?
1: Yeah, yeah Bob, I was going to say, listen, everything you're saying I agree with completely. But to me, the two cases, every murder is horrible. Every assault is horrible. But the fact that in the last week we saw that uh, EMS lieutenant, the female, being stabbed to death, and then we saw a father. Visiting his son at Marist College, being shot. I mean, those two really, to me, uh, stand out. Hopefully they're hitting home with people in New York to realize how bad it's gotten. You know, when you were out in the street, and when Rudy was the mayor and Bloomberg was the mayor, the city was under control. Now, this is a disgrace, an absolute disgrace.
15: And and I know. And, and, you know, we had a post editorial I read there about the super perps. The one guy was arrested hundred and three times. He was arrested sixteen times this year, and he's walking around the streets. I mean, where, you know what it is? I tell my Democratic liberal friends. I played golf with a lawyer, real liberal guy, and I we started playing. We we're out in Sabana. We played golf, but they begin of the golf game. I said, "Listen, you want to be left wing? You want to support the criminals? What about the victims? What about if your daughter, your twenty-one year old daughter, was viciously beaten and raped? God forbid." Would you still be supporting the, the policies of these left-wing liberal pieces of garbage? I mean, he looked at me. At the end of the game, we were having a couple of beers, and he goes, you know what, Bo? I think you convinced me. Well, I, we should be convincing everybody because we're going into the toilet. Well, Bo, you how does it look for you? You got d- snaggletooth Hokel there, uh, Empress Ming. Remember him, Peter? I, I, Ming. Yes, I do. Ming
1: Ming the Merciless. Listen, how does it look right, for Lee but He had a wife we- with the high eyebrows. Lee, if we're going to make changes. We got to like Lee Zeldin. How does it look? You know, you're you're the guy out in the street. What does it look like for Lee?
15: I talk I talk to Lee all the time. I wanted to march with him in the Columbus Day parade, but I'm going to be filming at garfunkel Hall stuff, so I'm not going to be able to march in a parade. Look, it Lee Zeldin is our guy. Is he? If they have a personality like John or. Are uh, you, Peter? Or Bo, no, but he gets the job done, and he's a very honorable guy. He's a family-loving guy. I told him he's got to separate from these stupid commercials because all they do is try to scare people. Oh, he's going to take abortions away. He's not going to do anything. I told him, I said, you got to be out there shutting down this nonsense because the West Side— and all my Jewish friends, God bless them on uh, Yom Kippur today. Uh, but all my Jewish liberal left wingers, oh, I can't vote for Lee Zeldin. He's a Nazi. Everybody loves to call a person who's a Republican a Nazi. You know what? It's so ridiculous. My my grandson's on Broadway. Jackson Kane and Liam He's on Broadway. He's just I'm going there Thursday night. He's in this show about the Holocaust, about hey, what Bo, happened. So how, how old Georgia. is he? Now, is he a
1: six year old?
15: He's six years old. Wow. He's on Broadway. I'm so proud of him. And the play is about exactly what's going on in America right now. It's one of those damn Nazis took over everybody and forced this well-to-do family into concentration camps. And the majority of them died. And now what we're talking about is when we keep giving the power to these left wing, left wing. Opening our borders, we have people running around here. We don't even know who the hell's here. And all of a sudden, oh, you have to have a, a vaccination. How many of those two million people that came over the border are vaccinated? Tell me. Oh,
1: you're a hundred percent right. And there's this whole double standard. It's crazy. You now getting back to the cops, I was talking to a cop. He's a good friend of mine. He has about twenty years in the job. He's a detective in Queens, multiple decorations. And basically, he's yeah. saying their commanders are telling them, unless if a guy is resisting arrest, unless he's got a gun or a knife, let him go. It's not worth it. Because, first yeah, of all, you can lose your job, lose your pension, get yourself killed, and the guy's going to walk anyway.
15: Hey, John, are you there? John. I'm here. I'm listening. I'm listening. Okay. You got a gun for a bit. I know you do. Now, let me tell you something, <laughs> John. We just had another. Uh, time uh, we're not allowed to go into a restaurant that serves
3: alcohol. You can't go to church right. either. And I can't go to church uh, <laughs> to protect the parishioners. What
15: know, the hell is going take, on? You can't take a subway. That's when you need the damn guns on the subway. So now all of a sudden, this Times Square tourist was slashed and robbed. I mean, this is such nonsensical things. And the only ones that have guns are the criminals. This is so insane. All people listening, call up your liberal friends after the holiday because they can't answer the phone today. Tomorrow, you call them. Are up. you saying all well, my liberal friends are all Jewish because they can't answer the phone? Are
3: you being prejudiced?
15: We should call Sid. Get Sid <laughs> on a conference call. <laughs> all I know is one thing. If we don't win in November, and take the Congress and pray to God to send it also. But the most important thing we could start across this country is elect Lee Zeldin as our governor, and that could be the way that people start to look in the mirror. Enough with this George Floyd bullcrap, and we all understand about Black Lives Matter. It's the biggest organized crime family, Sister Lucchese and the Genovese family. All they did is shake things down, millions and millions of dollars, and they let them do this.
1: Oh, well, no one's ever going to shake you down, believe me that. But by the way, you know, you're talking about the uh, uh, back the blue and how we have to stand up against the George Floyd riots. We have a guest coming yeah. in eight oh five, a woman, Anna uh, Delfel. She led the Blue Lives Matter back in uh, 2020 during the summer 2020, when so many politicians and almost everybody in the media was scared stiff of Black Lives Matter. No one, and that's why I have not watched an NBA game or NFL game since then. The way they all caved in. And they turned on the cops, and they stood with that phony group, the racist, Black Lives Matter, and Antifa. And they called these things peaceful demonstrations in the city. I mean, you were there, then, you know how bad they were. And that's well, unfortunately. You,
15: and, and nobody, of course, a matter of fact, in Colorado, Denver, Colorado, one group got $12 million on a lawsuit against the cops. Because they were a little rough when they were, these were not, these were not demonstrations. <laughs> they were all out riots. Absolutely. burning buildings down, assaulting police officers, beating people. Nobody got prosecuted. This is a, it's such a, and now they got these people in jail with this January 6th crap and these poor people don't even get bail.
1: Well, if you saw the woman who threw, the lawyer who threw a Molotov cocktail at the cops and uh, blew up the car, first of all, she got a plea deal where she can't get more than 24 months and she's yelling now. She wants to do time served, 28 days, 28 days for throwing a Molotov cocktail
15: at the cops. What the hell is wrong with our society? No, it would have been okay, because every cop killer, I was in the 70s, Piagetini and Jones, Foster oh, boy, and Laurie, yeah. we had 11 cops killed one year and 13 the next, and all these little pieces of garbage are out on the street. One guy is doing well, speeches in college. Oh, well, I know yeah, the Piagetini. The word is this way. Well, uh, yes. uh, some
3: Jewish organization, Captain Mamet sent it to me last night, uh, filed a, a grievance or filed a lawsuit against Governor Hochul, that they can't carry their, their carry permit guns into synagogue. I said, "How come you didn't include the churches?" I no, mean, no, uh, no. is, is no, anybody
15: no. else uh, starting a lawsuit? They should. You know what? I think every every person who has a carry permit. You know what? They almost did it to us, retired cops. They almost did it. I called up my man Vinny Pitter. There, he's a he's a very consultation guy in the state. I said, Vinny, I just, are you guys nuts? You're going to tell retired guys you can't carry a gun in Times Square. You can't carry it on the subway. You can't carry it at the church. Well, what the hell? When a shooter comes in there, what, are you going to grab your bing-bong and shoot at him with your bing-bong? You got to bring that Rocky Calavito bat. Yeah, well, you know what? I got one of those in my trunk, too. But I'm going to tell you something. That was the epitome. Every one of these motor scooters, no license plate, 50 miles an hour, they're going down the street, cops are not doing anything because they're told, do not stop them, do not make an action, because it's only going to turn into a bad thing. I feel horrible for these cops. And if you look at at some of these cops there, they look like they're in more fear than anything, because they have no backing. They got no backing, and it's horrible. All I know is that I I, I love New York City more than anything in the world. My kids live there. I am so scared. My son's travel the subway, my daughter, my grandson. I am so scared. I got a gun. They don't have a gun. And I'm scared for the people. Anybody listening on the radio, pick up your phones after the holiday because you're not going to get any answers. Look, you know what we say to
3: people, and I say to everybody, uh, whether you're a Democrat, whether you're a Republican, vote on November 8th. Who you believe is gonna keep you safe after November eighth.
1: And that's Lee Elder. We gotta elect him a governor.
15: We have to and along with that, when you go into that voting booth, press the Republican thing. Right, right and across. The, we need we need to take this State Senate and the State Assembly of morons and the City Council. We need to take them out. We need a real red wave. Change this city when you got people out there that are trying, then you got a, a supposedly illegal, a illegal like Snaggles, tooth. Empress Ming, Hokel, this fool, this corrupt. Remember when de Blasio was taking money from those guys of Brooklyn? I, when I was running against the Fumaya, I named it. I said, to have bribery, you got the bribe receiver, that uh, bribe giver. That was the two guys they got convicted of. It. Right. Who were they bribing? They were bribing de Blasio. And then his full wife there, $1 billion with Operation Drive. What would you do with it? I don't know. You know where it went? It went to nonprofits that were kickbacks. I like an investigation on him. I'm ready to come out of retirement. If my man wins as attorney general, I wanna come. I wanna come at him. Hey Bo, I'm going just going glad my I'm just
1: glad my father's not alive to see this. He was a cop for thirty years. If he saw what's going on in the streets today and the crap the cops have to take, I don't know what do the hell
3: he re- do.
15: Do you remember Peter? Lieutenant King, your dad, when I went to the academy, I was doing 40 pull-ups and 180 push-ups. Your dad and Mr. Clean and all of them were putting money on how many push-ups and pull-ups I could do. <laughs> your father was a great, great man. And we had, uh, what's his name, the, the ju- jiu guy. Uh, what was his name, Peter? Oh, oh,
1: God. Uh, uh, Jimmy Smith was Mr. Clean. The other guy was it? Uh, was it Gauté?
15: Gauté. Yeah. Al Gauté. Yeah. And they used to put money on how many pull-ups and push-ups I could do. Because I just came out of high school, and we were national champions on the physical fitness team four hours a day. It was like It was like popcorn. But you know what? And I depended on that physical strength. I never killed anyone in my whole career. Never killed anyone. And I was hospitalized 30 times. I could have shot 15 of them. But you know what? I depended on that strength. How many guys out there today have the strength to fight, guys and gals, to fight with a perp? Imagine one guy trying to lock up one guy. It ain't going to happen.
1: That's it. Even if you can't fight, what the hell can you do? You can't hold – you can't put your knee in his back. You can't hurt him. You got to be nice to the guy. You got to apologize to him. That's crazy.
15: One one more thing before we go, John. This is very important. He knows when the break is coming up. He knows his overtime already. Go ahead, Bob. One more important thing. $5 trillion, John, in this phony COVID thing. When this thing came out with the PPPs, I found out, with all respect, John, billionaires were getting money. Were getting money with the PPPs. I didn't get any.
6: I didn't get any. I'm the only
15: billionaire that didn't get any. 600, I have at least 600 African-American guys that work for my security guards. They kept me in business. Without that PPP money, I would have been bankrupt. They kept me in business. That's what it was supposed to be for. Not these rich uh, real estate landlords that took PPP money. And on top of it, I guarantee you, half of that $5 billion. We're out of time, and
3: we're going to take a break. And when we come back... Uh, we have a great show between 8 and 9. Uh, we have uh, Lydia's coming on, and and maybe even Brian Kilmade, and uh, maybe even Rudy.
8: We're doing live! Hey, Bill O'Reilly here, and you are listening to Bernie
0: and Sid. God help you. On the Red Apple Podcast Network.
3: Get this music from? I thought we we're gonna have uh, "Flying to the Moon" or something that like to wake me up in the morning. I, I, I think uh,
1: Bojil and Aldemaro woke both of us. Up.
3: Oh my god, that woke us up! Oh my god, uh, I understand we have a, a friend of yours
1: on there. Yeah, actually, he's a good friend of mine, Anna dalfos I first met her during the summer of 2020 when there were riots all over the country against the police, against the cops led by Black Lives Matter, Antifa, and the media, and everyone was falling into line. Politicians were hiding. And Anna, she staged rallies. She had one at Eisenhower Park. It was gigantic. She stood for the cops. She went around from precinct to precinct, holding, uh, again, meeting with the cops, encouraging them on. Now, now, this Friday, she and, uh, uh, Councilwoman Ina Venikoff are sponsoring and putting together a rally for Lee Zeldin on Friday morning. Moms for Zeldin. So I'm only speaking a lot now because once Anna starts talking, I'm not going to get a word in. Anna, welcome to the show.
4: Uh, Are you making preassumptions about us Italian women again, Congressman?
1: Well, with Columbus Day (laughs) coming up, I got to watch what I say.
4: (laughs) Good morning. Thank you for having me on. Um, Yeah. So Friday, what we're doing is uh, Councilwoman Ina Vernikov has always been uh, a big advocate on education in New York City, and that's how I had initially met her. So. Uh, Obviously, with the election coming up and Zeldin needing to get elected desperately to somewhat get us back on track in in New York State and New York City, we are having a town hall where we are opening up questions to him about education so people can really see where he stands. Because as of right now, Hochul's stance on education and how she wants to approach things is going to basically put, uh, uh, put us in the grave. As far as education and creating the future leaders of this country, it's just not going to happen. In the, greatest city of, uh, in the greatest city of the world, if we're not producing people that are going to be able to lead the future, then we're in trouble.
1: Listen, the city, the state is collapsing. Uh, and, again, you're in, in touch with grassroots. You deal with community organizations. Uh, you know, do the women of New York, do they realize, and I'm not trying to separate men and women, but, again, uh, At least historically, uh, Republicans don't do as well among women as we should. What is the mood of women today?
4: So from what I've seen lately, I am currently in uh, chats with women uh, Democrats from the, uh, ironically, the Upper West Side, as was mentioned uh, before, that are left-leaning, are Democrats, may even be slightly leaning towards the liberal progressive label and are completely fed up because they see that their children are they're at a disadvantage with the school systems in new york city and they are they want zeldin in and they are desperate to get the message across to their very liberal friends and this is what we are trying to accomplish on friday
1: now Again, the Councilwoman Ivankov from Brooklyn is a real uh, 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 leader in this. So are you, both in Brooklyn and Staten Island. Uh, can we get the grassroots mobilized? Though? I mean, can we get them to come out? Because a lot of people say it's all the same. One politician is the same as the other. Or I may disagree with this guy on that or this woman on that issue, so I'm not going to vote at all. Uh, can you get the message across to people that there is a difference between one party and the other? And you don't have to agree with every candidate on every issue, but on the issues of life and death and education of your kids, that should take priority?
4: Well, that's, you know, thankfully, as adults, most of us can still have conversation and communicate. And that's the whole point to, you know, getting things accomplished. You can't accomplish things without communication. So we have been in communication with So many moms from very different walks of life, you know, from from Staten Island moms to Brooklyn moms to Upper West Side moms to, you know, moms across the city. And uh, it seems to me the reception is that a lot of people are desperate enough to vote across the party line, come over to the Republican side and put Lee in because. The New York City public school system should be the greatest in the world. We have access to everything here, and we have some of the best trained teachers. The problem is the way the system is set up is we're not allowing the teachers to teach with all the implementation of CRT and all these lessons that want to be forced down the the throats of the children as far as sex and identity and gender. There's a lot of Democrat and left-leaning parents that are tired of this because they just want curriculum fundamental curriculum implanted into the school system and taught to the children we are the, the scores are failing the the state scores are completely abysmal and it shouldn't be that way there should be we should have access we should have funding there's funding but where is it going nobody knows to, to implement extra you know music art uh, all these classes that can supplement Students into making them great, and yet we are focusing on removing curriculum and implementing CRT and and all these wild ideas that is not going to benefit any student.
3: uh, Going back two years now, I I mean the kids, the kids. uh, Why is it the Catholic schools are teaching kids uh, uh, at like less than ten thousand dollars per student? And ninety-eight percent of them go to college, and our public school kids were spending
4: twenty-five thousand per student. I actually think, it, I think it's more than that. Twenty-seven thousand, maybe. Something. It's the number is is astronomical. I, you know, I I am also a public school teacher. I I am a mom who has kids in the public school system, but I am also a New York City public school teacher. So I have both perspectives, and the reality is. There is so much bloat and so much that can be cut out that can, it, the money's not directly going to the students. Where is it going? I don't know. I remember at one point in my building alone was owed over a million dollars of um, money that was won through the uh, Race to the Top initiative. And Cuomo was withholding that $1 million solely from my building. So across the board, God knows how much money is being held. And who knows where that money went?
1: Anna, on, an uh, on an issue that's near and dear to your heart, again, with the police, as I said, two years ago, the mood, unfortunately, and the media and everything else was anti-cop. How do you sense that now? Is that turning around? I mean, do you still have to visit all the precinct houses and station houses and tell the cops they're doing a good job, or are the American people, or at least the people of New York, are they realizing what a good job the cops can do if they're allowed to do it and how the crime in the street right now is because the cops' hands are tied? So
4: I think. Initially, it sounded like such a poetic idea. We, sh- you know, we could live in peace, love, and harmony without the cops. And the idea was being marketed to people who really lived in a bubble. And I don't mean to single anybody out, but people who had a more comfortable and secure lifestyle. Now that the crime is trickling into every single neighborhood across the city and is not segregating, mm-hmm. and is it's not just in certain areas, as you know, you would say. Because it is now affecting everybody, people are starting to say, wait, this might not be such a great idea. Maybe we do need the cops. And I do think the tides are turning. But I hope the tides are turning enough to get people motivated to go out and vote because – It's not a matter of the the Democrats outnumber the Republicans in this city. They do on paper, but most of the people who are registered Democrats are of the old school Democratic Party, which is a very different
3: party. I talked to a lot of them. We had Hispanic Heritage Day yesterday in the in the studio, and I would say uh, I was there. Ninety percent of the uh, Hispanic Latinos in the studio yesterday. And I won't mention names. Were pro law and order, so I don't know who these people
4: are that that, that, that want to defund the police. I mean, not, I, you know, it's crazy. It's it's not the people; it's the politicians. That's what it boils down to. It's the corrupt politicians that have. And also the media. The oh, also the and media. The, oh yeah. yeah listen, that is, that goes without saying it's the media. And that hence, that's the reason why I started, you know, the, the, the Facebook page that I have, in, to, because there was no positive outlet that I could find good news about law enforcement. And being a teacher, I, I do feel that I am a, a sister in service. You know, I, I feel like I stand by my, my cops. And a lot of police officers are always shocked to hear that I'm a teacher and I support them. But the, the reality is, a lot of teachers are married to police officers. And we are, we're, you know, we're in the same mindset that we're here to help our city and make our city better. And if we, we don't love have- our
3: city and we're not going to let the, 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 the crazies take over, I mean, enough is enough.
1: But, John, you know, I people said that and you say enough. that and I say it. But again, it was grassroots people like Anna two years ago who really put herself on the line. I mean, you went above and beyond what had to be done to defend the cops. And I'll always remember you for
4: that. Thank you. I appreciate that. And you know, it, it speaks volumes to you, Congressman, because uh, with all the politicians jumping on the bandwagon, because right now it's the trendy thing to do to go against the cops, you stood your ground. You know, I, you went against the grain and and helped and supported me and came to visit the precincts. At, uh, I, th- I believe I visited almost forty-five precincts, uh, transit districts, and the PSAs, and it was an amazing reception. And the cops couldn't believe that there was all this support for them. That, you know, it's it's something that. Uh, it just needs to be said. How can someone do their job? I know a lot of people think it's weak, but people do need to do their job and have some sort of verbal affirmation, some sort of uh, 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 a thank you. I know it's so, it seems so minimal, but a thank you does go a long way. And quite honestly, New York City would implode if we didn't have our police officers.
1: know we visit that station as in Brooklyn where the uh, commanding officer had gotten his teeth knocked out, got hit in the face with a brick. Yeah. And I remember the next morning, Andrew Cuomo was out in the street saying he was proud to stand with the protesters. And you talk to this cop, his teeth were knocked out. He was a heroic cop. And so here you have the governor of the state siding with the protesters against the guy whose teeth were knocked out. But to me, it's absolutely disgraceful what went on then. I'm hoping it's turning around. If it is, it's because of people like you. But we got to put this rally again. Give the details again to, you know, to the listeners about the rally that you and Councilman Ivankov are having this this Friday.
4: Absolutely. So on Friday morning at 10 o'clock, we will be with Lee, Lee Zeldin, the the, gov, um, the the candidate for governor for New York State. will be speaking. We will be asking him questions in regards to education. You can find us at 100 West 77th Street at Columbus Avenue. Again, that's 100 West 77th Street at Columbus Avenue. He's going to be answering the the hard questions and the questions that every single New York City parent has on their mind right now in regards to the state of education.
1: Okay, well, listen, Anna, thanks for being on this morning. I know you're a busy woman. I, I really appreciate you doing this. And I just wondered, does, does your great husband, Anthony, ever get a word in edgewise? Before you get a chance to answer <laughs> me, we're saying goodbye. And thank you very much, Anna. You're great. You're the best. Thank you. <laughs>
4: thank you, gentlemen. Have a great day. Thank you.
0: Bernard McGurk. Unacceptable is throwing your beer can on the subway track. (laughs) Sid Rosenberg. I don't believe it's a three-man race. Bernie and Sid in the morning. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is Lydia Reports on 77 WABC. Here's Lydia Serrani.
6: It's hard to believe there's only five weeks to go until November's elections. And, you know, there are a lot of crucial battleground states uh, specifically the one in pennsylvania and a new poll has come out saying that dr oz it's a usa today network suffolk university poll and it's saying that dr oz is losing to john fetterman by six points and i want you guys to take a listen to john fetterman he was just on msnbc and in my opinion this guy is not fit to run for office take a listen
2: And I suspect he ever will because he understands how extreme is it and he wants to lie and make sure people pretend that he doesn't have the exact same views as Doug Mastriano is.
6: Did you, you guys hear that? He can't even put together a coherent sentence. What do you think? What, how could anybody actually vote for this guy, for John Fetterman? He wants to release a third of old prisoners. He wants to get rid of life sentences for even murderers. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Are you there?
3: Yes,
17: we, we, are not, no, I, so we are here. We are here.
1: I agree with you completely, Lydia. Absolutely.
3: I mean, uh, I can't believe Oz is losing losing uh, uh, that election. I think uh, I think uh, Mehmet Oz is going to win the Senate in in uh, Pennsylvania. Well, you've been supporting him all along, right, John? I yeah, well, he saved two of my <coughs> friends' lives. Okay, he's a good doctor. He's a great doctor. Uh, well, I understand Sid is on too, Lydia. Sid, are you there?
16: Hey, gentlemen. Uh, you can't say Happy Yom Kippur because it's a solemn day today, but. Uh, at any rate, Happy New Year. You guys are doing a fantastic job. And nice to talk to you, all three of you, this morning. Good, uh, good Wednesday morning. Good well, to hear from you, Sid. You know,
3: we, we named the show just for the day, The King and I. But, Sid,
1: <laughs> but Sid no one I can take you up. No one can take your place, Sid. So you're in a class by yourself. And I'm glad if you're going to throw the bread into the water today, I'm glad now you live near an ocean, because you can throw a whole bakery shop <laughs> into the ocean for your sins.
16: You're right. That is uh, something we call Tashlich. And I love the King and I, by the way, John. I told you yesterday, Joe Brenner growing up was a favorite of mine. But you're right, Peter. We call that service Tashlich, and we do throw a piece of bread, which is significant. Uh, you know, stands for throwing away your sins into a body of water. So, yeah, I need an ocean, not a lake. And I need a whole bakery like Calandra's and not just one loaf of bread. <laughs> <laughs> anyway,
3: so, uh, what time you- are you going to synagogue?
16: I'm going to go about uh, 930, and then I, I do a service every year, John and Peter King, uh, for my father. It is a memorial service, Komidra, every, every uh, Yom Kippur afternoon for uh, relatives who died. So I do that every year, certainly the last two years since my dad passed away. And then I'll be there tonight when they blow the shofar and come home and eat finally and break the fast and, and uh, move on to the next holiday because we go from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur to Sukkot. It's a very it's a whole month of uh, Jewish holidays for us here, and so after tonight we'll have two of the three gone until the next holiday comes along. But I tell you this, Peter, this one goes to you. With the Mets now the wild card team in the National League, the Braves officially won the NL East last night, and the Mets looking at the real possibility of having to beat the Padres, the Dodgers, and the Braves right. just to get back to the World <clears throat> Series, which they lost in 2015 to Kansas City. I will be saying an extra prayer in shul today for the Mets because that is a very rigorous schedule.
1: Really, as so I tell you, you, know it's been what a, a year for New York baseball. You have Yankees winning 99 games, maybe 100. You have uh, Aaron Judge hitting 62 homers. You have uh, uh, right now Pete Alonso leading the major leagues in runs batted in. Jeff McNeil leading the major leagues in batting. Diaz the greatest reliever. I mean, this is this is New York baseball at its best. Thank God it's come back. As I said before, I'm so fed up with the NBA and the NFL. To have solid teams like this in New York, and a guy like Aaron Judge, who to me personifies class, he really
16: does. No, he does. It's a great story. I mean, unfortunately, you play all these games, and and John and, and Peter, you know this. The idea is to win a World Series. So right now, it's a nice story. Judge has all the home runs. The Mets won 100 games. The Yankees could become the fourth team tonight to win 100 games. But it all goes away if they don't win in the playoffs. And now the Mets have put themselves, excuse me, in a very tough spot. Yep, they really have. have The Padres, the Dodgers, and the Braves. And the Yankees still play inside a, uh, a league where they've got the Houston Astros. So if they don't advance in the playoffs and possibly get to the World Series and or win the World Series, all these beautiful memories that you just outlined, and you're right, Peter, they go away. So the real season starts Friday night in Queens for the Mets when they take on San Diego and Tuesday night in the Bronx for the Yankees when they start their next playoff series in the ALDS. Now, in terms of uh, Oz, I agree with you, John. I do think that Oz is going to beat Betterman. I do think Herschel Walker is going to find a way to win in the state of Georgia. And I do think that the Republicans are going to win both the House and the Senate before Donald Trump wins again in I, 2024. I, I, so the red wave is on its way. The House. I, I think you're Senate right because I think.
3: Avenue. I think, uh, uh, Sid and Lydia, I think the American people are angry. They're angry that uh, Washington doesn't know what the heck is going on.
16: And how about Albany? Yeah, I mean, you could take it local and nationally, you're right, whether it's Kathy Hochul, uh, to a certain extent, uh, even more than that, Eric Adams, Joe Biden. I mean, what an embarrassing week for Joe Biden, and even more embarrassing for Kamala Harris, her comments how you basically have to take care of the low-income African-American people after Hurricane Ian before you take care of white?
6: You gotta, people. T- you, I mean, you gotta take
3: care bad. of all people equally. All people equally. Well, I'm well, going to tell
6: you guys another story that happened uh, just yesterday. So a guy was pushed onto the train tracks at Columbus Circle in the wow. middle of the day from behind. He was on his way to work. This is a finance guy, you know, hardworking guy mm-hmm. on his way to work. And guess what? The guy who shoved him, he's had 43 arrests under his belt. And why are why, rock- why yes. the
3: politicians in Albany allowing this guy to be in the streets of New York?
6: I mean, I don't, know. I don't
3: understand it. All those people that vote Democratic and vote for, for, for these people that don't support the citizens of New York. Why are you
6: voting for them?
16: I don't know. This this victim is
6: only, the the victim was only, he's 25 years old. This could be, you know, this could be anybody. This could be God, you know, knock on wood, like John Jr. This could be me. This could be anybody, a young person, healthy, strong, pushed from behind onto the tracks. And thank God he even hit his head, cut his head open on the rails there, like on the tracks. But thank God people saved him. And he was able to get out of the tracks before a train came and killed him. And <clears throat> once again, this guy, over 40 arrests, emotionally disturbed, numerous, like numerous times in, you know, with uh violent tendencies with police and with people. And he's still roaming the streets. So you guys oh, okay, tell yeah, me, how you, could I've anybody?
16: Yeah, I don't know, Lydia, but I'll tell you an even worse story was the, uh, and I can identify with this now because we just dropped off our daughter Ava in college. Danielle did a couple of weeks ago. But this poor guy went to visit his kid at Marist College in Poughkeepsie, upstate New York. He's standing in the Marriott Courtyard on a Sunday morning during family weekend, and he gets shot to death by a guy who was smoking PCP in the hotel room, a homeless guy, who also had priors as well. The poor dad went to visit his kid for college weekend. And you get shot to death inside the lobby of a hotel, and the guy, of course, had prior. So we see this every day. It's not going away. It's getting worse. John, Peter, and uh, and Lydia, it's getting worse. And it's a good question, John. How anybody can vote for these Democrats right now just goes to show you they're either a not paying attention or very callous people who or just don't care. The yeah, another choice. Going.
3: Then you need a common sense Democrat. You want to vote Democratic, get a common sense Democrat in leadership, where the leadership of the of the assembly or the or or, or the state senate, well, wants you know law and order. I mean, I, there's no other way to save it.
6: That father Why that got shot you? twice, yeah. That that father, like Sid just mentioned, that got shot twice in the chest. The person who shot him. Uh, He was wanted for attempted murder. He, like you said, (laughs) Sid, I mean, this, these aren't petty crimes we're talking about that these people, these repeat offenders have committed, and yet they're still allowed to roam the streets. And now this wonderful father, and this was in Poughkeepsie. So these, these issues are not just isolated to New York City, they're happening all across the country all across the state because of these last this is liberal the year. policies. If
3: we don't, if New Yorkers, all Americans, vote the right way for November 8th, we got to make a change. Enough is enough. Make that change because we want law and order in our streets.
16: And, and as I joked around earlier, Peter, John, and Lydia, said when I go to school later on today, I'm going to pray for the Mets to get past the Padres, the Dodgers, and the Braves. Uh, while I was only half-joking, uh, on a serious note, if you are going to shore today you really need to pray for this city for this state for this country pray that come november 8th people make the right decision pray that come november 8th we start putting an end to all this hypocrisy and all this corruption and all this crime and drama pray that come november 8th we start looking like the united states did Not that long ago. So, on a serious note, that is the prayer today. Once you get past your family and your friends, I'll pray for you, John. I'll pray for you, Peter. I'll pray for you, Lydia, because I love all three of you. Pray for this country, and that means a win come November 8th. John's point get out and vote. Don't bitch and complain if you do nothing about it. November 8th, go
3: out and vote. vote. That's what it comes down to. Vote for law and order. That's the only one issue. Law and order.
6: Law and order and the economy. And we 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 just can't go on like this. I saw this video. I wanted to bring this up to you. So I saw this video from back in the 80s where kids were in line to go see the latest Star Wars movie. And everybody was just so happy. And I'm talking about hundreds of people in the streets. And I thought about that. Like that couldn't even happen today because I think the kids would start fighting with each other. We're seeing all these videos on social media in Bayside, Queens and, and Brooklyn, everywhere in Manhattan where kids, when they get together, they start beating up on each other, stomping on each other's heads. You guys tell me, like, have you, I know New York City was never, it's never been perfect. It's never been 100% safe. And obviously it was much safer under Giuliani and then Bloomberg and even in the beginning of de Blasio. But even back in the bad old days, I'll start off with you, Congressman King. Was it ever this bad in like every single part in every single neighborhood where you had to like look twice behind your back before you walked down the street? No,
1: there was not the random violence. The violence, as bad as it was, was concentrated in certain areas. You never heard of anybody being attacked at 12 noon at 57th Street, Madison Avenue. And this whole idea of pushing people on the subway tracks, this is unique to now, and it's a terrible, terrible sign.
6: It is. Well, and, and, John, I know you're worried about the, the drug epidemic that's happening. I think a lot it's of horrible. these
3: people. We've got to yeah. straighten out the drugs. We've got to straighten out the borders. We're out of time. Thank you guys for calling in. Sid, pray for all of us, please.
16: I will. Thank you guys so much for uh, helping me out today. You sound fantastic. I love all three of you. I really do. John, Peter, and Lydia, and Chad. I know you're listening, and I'll talk to you folks again tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. Thank you so much, and happy holidays.
1: Happy oh, holidays. Also, George is listening in here, spying on us.
16: Oh, I love George. That is. Let me tell you something. He's the greatest FBI agent and the best Giant fan ever. George, I love you, too.
1: <laughs> the greatest. Wow. He he He's pretty good, I'll tell you that. <laughs>
16: okay, guys. Let's,
1: let's
3: go. We'll, we'll come back, and we got uh, Rudy uh, after Phil's break. We're going to go to Phil, and he's going to have the clip of the day. And after that, George is here. George Vinizelos, the former uh, Assistant FBI Director in charge, and Rudy Giuliani is going to be calling in. And see what he he's up to. And, and also, and, we have Charles Palmenteri coming up at the nine o'clock hour. Absolutely. Let's go. Let's go to break.
0: Bernard McGurk. Bernard has been a friend of mine for so long. And Sid, you too. Sid Rosenberg. Not good, great. Bernie and Sid in the morning. I love you guys. I
16: listen to you every morning. and walk around
0: the house laughing my butt off. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Well,
3: this is the king and I. So, oh, we got the What happened to fly me to the moon? You got Rudy on. He's our age, too. All right, we'll take that. doesn't matter. It's now, okay. Next time around. Now, the young guy in the room here is George. George is the youngest guy in the room. He's a kid. He's a kid. We got with us uh, George Venizelos uh, uh, assistant uh, director in charge of the, the FBI moon. for how many years? 20, uh, 24
2: years. Two 24 years. years. 24, two years, as I said. Two and a half years. He did a great job here in New York. And is the that Rex Sinatra
3: singing or Joe Piscopo?
2: On, one and the same. One and the same.
3: Is <laughs> Frank In is the chairman words. of the board, and uh, Joe Piscopal is the vice chairman oh, of the board. Absolutely. We got Rudy on the line? Is Rudy on? And I mean, we have I America's know. America's I mean, greatest mayor. Baby, baby. America's <laughs> greatest you guys mayor. Are so wide awake. Oh. I wait, can't wait, you so old on. guys. so wide awake. <laughs> the average agent here is over 70. You qualify to be on. I, I, I think I took you up in
11: a, a notch or two. I'm not sure.
1: I, I really actually, I'm two years, uh, two weeks older than you. Two weeks older than me. And, oh, uh, and I, I always old. knew that. You figured that. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, you you kept New York. You made New York the safest city in the world. And where, where the heck are we now? I mean, I mean, what do we do? America wants to know. New Yorkers want to know. What the heck do we
11: do? I told them not to elect Adams. <laughs> elect they should elected our guy,
3: but it's your Curtis. fault I lost to Joe Loda.
11: Uh, okay, I, I mean, you know he, he can't do like, Nobody's perfect, not even me. I don't know, Rudy. I'll, you were you were now, John. I'll, I'll endorse you right this minute. Thank you, thank you. I'll, I'll go I'll campaign for you. I'll endorse you. I'll <laughs> endorse Pete too. Hey, Rudy, thank you. Pete's gonna make a comeback. Uh, look, let's face it. He's been a big disappointment, and I'm not going to say he's worse than de Blasio, but in a way, he's more annoying, because de Blasio didn't fool us, right? We knew we were getting a guy who went to Cuba on his honeymoon, right? Fought for the Sandinistas. He hated America. He hated New York, and he was stupid. Adams ran a good campaign. Come on. He had he had, he had us—I'm not going to say he had us convinced, but he had us half-convinced and believing, right? You're right. We thought— I, I thought, I thought, what the hell? What, what have you got to lose? Uh, try, at least do the cop part right. Then be a crazy socialist on everything else. But do the police part right. Rudy, if you were there and today, he, what would you do? I mean, it's so easy. I mean, it's just, <laughs> just do what I did, do what Bloomberg did, do what Ray Kelly did, Bratton, uh, Carrick, there's so many examples. You take Comstat and you really work it. Now, this is part of the problem. That means you go there 8 o'clock in the morning every Thursday. I don't know if this guy gets up at 8 o'clock in the morning. And you sit there and you keep readjusting the police strategy. You know, if you just keep the same strategy, if you seem to, if he keeps the cops in the same place at the same time, the criminals are not dopey. They figure it out and they go where the cops are not. If you know, if you understand Comstat, which I started with Bratton and Eddie Maple, it changes every day. They never know where where we are. We try to outguess them. We try to outguess them with very, very specific police intelligence about here, here's where the car uh, hijackings took place. So we think they're going to move maybe a block from there. We make a guess. We got our cops there, and we catch them. If we're right two, uh, two out of three times, maybe maybe even one out of three times, we start cutting it down by 5%, 10%. But it's highly strategic, it works, it works very quickly, but here's the edge, it requires the cops to have morale. The cops have to have to be willing to run in on a robbery and not hang back because they're afraid they're gonna get tortured by the mayor or the people that he won't protect them against. So look at the response times, it's the biggest key. Response times are up two minutes. That means cops are sitting in their cars They're waiting for the robbery to be over. They go in, they write up the report, and they're nice and safe, and they go home to their families. We've motivated them to go in in the middle of the robbery, stop the robbery. That means you may shoot somebody. That means you may make a mistake. But then the mayor's got to stand up and say, I'm going to stand up to Al Sharpton and tell him to go to hell. And I'm going to stand up to the New York Times if you're right. Well, they don't believe that. You, go, you talk to any cop on the street. They think they'll be sold out in a minute. Booties, I remember oh, yeah. you wouldn't even let Al Sharpe into <clears throat> City Hall. For that reason, I wanted my cops to know, I wanted my cops to know, I don't want you to commit any crimes. I'll put you in prison. We put a cop in prison who, who, who did a horrendous act to Mr. Oweema, Safer and I did, for 25 years. Volpe. I think we sent a strong message to the police. You score around. Giuliani or Bratton, or Safer, or Carrick, going to come and get you. But if you do the right thing, and these civil rights racists start coming after you, and they were there then as they are now, I I had them picked completely as useless, horrible people who want to create riots. He, Sharpton started the pogrom in, in uh, in 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 Brooklyn. We're from Crown Heights, yeah. Going after Jews, going after Jews, kill Jews, kill. Can you imagine that in New York City, killing Jews? You're going you're gonna to deal with a guy like Sharpton who can set off a pogrom.
1: Again, Rudy, you know, too many people alive today don't realize that back in 1990, 91, 92, and 93, the, you know, the consensus was for the Time Magazine on, right on down that New York was hopeless. There's no way it could be turned around. There's no way it could be corrected. And you brought it all the way back. Can that be done again?
11: Yes. And it's not as bad as it was. It isn't. I know. I know. There's one way it is, John and, 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 and Pete. There's one way that it is and has an impact on people. The crime, although it's considerably less crime than we had. I mean, a lot less. It's much bolder. It's, it's almost as if in your face. I don't remember, maybe you guys do, I mean, I remember uh, buggings and I remember rapes, mm-hmm. of course, but I don't remember these incidents where an elderly person is standing by a bus stop and all of a sudden, for no reason, somebody punches them in the head and knocks them on the ground, or a woman. I mean, we get a lot of the, and, and the, the uh, last week I counted up the number of random shootings in New York and Chicago. It was something like 18 random shootings. Almost most of the shootings I knew we had a reason for. It. Uh, either it was uh, a gang fight, uh, uh, domestic violence, mafia, uh, some one of the other mobs, uh, s- stupid kids getting involved in fights over do you re- you don't respect me or. Right. Nowadays we get a disproportionate number of. Somebody shot in a cro- that little girl three years old last last week shot in a crossfire killed. Seven-year-old
2: shot in the crossfire, wounded, and I counted Chicago. Chicago had seven. Hey, hey Rudy, so is George, much, George, Bernie say so you had a question. Yeah, Rudy, I, I can't agree with you more, and and I I think there was a time very recently where New York was the model for the country. Comstat went to all the big cities. Sure, and it, and it started with the Chicago. Once we became not less proactive and more reactive. That's that's when the criminals have the upper hand, and it happened in Chicago, and then now it's happening here. You're so right. We were, the that oh makes you gosh. proactive. What well, you gotta, you can't be proactive you can't be reactive. You have to be proactive with crime to stop yeah,
11: 100%. it. hundred percent. And it started with De Blasio yep. way back when he first came in. When the cops remember when the cops turned their yeah. back on him? Yep. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. I was, I was at that. I was at then, one of those unless, funerals. Yeah. I was there, front and center. Unless this, unless this changes. It's going to go, and it took a long time. And I'm going to say to the credit of Kelly and Bloomberg, because unlike what they did to them, Kelly and and, uh, uh, what what De Blasio did to Kelly and Bloomberg, Kelly and Bloomberg, when they took over from me, they improved things. So by the time De Blasio got the city, he got the benefit of all the reforms that I made. And he got the benefit of all the reforms, particularly in policing, that Bloomberg and 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 Ray Kelly improved on. They institutionalized them. They, you know, we had we had a terrific response to terrorism, given the fact Absolutely. that we hadn't had 9/11. Yep. They had a better response. Right. We took murder down to to 600. They took it down to 300. And that's, that's sad the sad part.
2: The sad part of all this hard work that that you and others did. Um, took like mm. 10 years to turn it around i mean the, these people messed it up in a few years it's sad it's sad because this it is the greatest our, city us, in the world it, it is
11: us, it, it took me six years to really get it established mm-hmm. five years it started going down after two <clears throat> but uh to really start being safe it was about five years into it and then by the and then by the time uh, ray and, and and mike got it they were honing it no, you're right. You can say, oh, they, people say to me, oh, you had the hard <clears throat> job. You turned it around. Sometimes it's even harder when you have murders down to 600. How do you get rid of that last? You're never going to get rid of all of them, right? <laughs> no,
3: have, no, you're right.
2: You know, and then they had the Hercules teams that would when high-threat areas. N- New York was anymore.
3: the safest city yeah. in the world. Yeah. We, we could walk we around. In the right right our direction. kids could take
2: 24. subways. We're going in the right
11: direction. One administration was trying to pick up on what the other administration did right and make it better. That's the way it right, should be, right. not not like we have now. The first thing a president does, Republican or Democrat, who gets in is he blames everything on the prior president. Uh, I mean, Instead of saying, like, like uh, the, uh, Biden came into a really pretty good situation. Maybe he doesn't have to say that as a politician, but Trump handed him a pretty good America. All well, he had to do was improve it. I swear to God, all he had to do was improve. One hundred percent right, Rudy.
3: We the, the old the old folks have to make a comeback. All of us. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, be the old be old timers' day in New York. Well, I'm
1: the oldest. You're right, Rudy's, Rudy's catching up. Old
11: timers, okay, we need the old timers to come make a I'm comeback. Trying to catch up, You know you're too much <laughs> ahead, though. Hey, Rudy, as a Met
1: fan, let me congratulate oh. you for what Aaron Judge did. What a class oh, act he is! You, that is
11: just I, phenomenal. I, 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 um, it wasn't that beautiful. And you know uh, what really angers me? The three the three bums who are ahead of them right, who, who yeah. use drugs to steroids, get there. Yep, and what yeah. and what kind of what kind of signal do we want to send to? An America that has an overdose of drugs last year and this year, and baseball has three drug users as the home run kings. They never would hit Sammy Sosa never hit more than thirty five home runs in his career until right, he started absolutely. taking drugs. <laughs> Uh, Uh, Please, let's be honest. Hold on, we got
3: Dick Morris on the phone, uh, Rudy. Let's see what Dick Morris has to say.
11: Dick and I talk about this every Sunday.
3: Dick, Dick Morris, tell us what the heck is going on in the the country in politics.
7: Well, no, I'm going to talk about sports and Aaron Judge. Oh, my God, (laughs) sports! Yeah, I think that uh, I I suggest that ABC uh, conduct, WABC conduct a poll of its listeners as to who is the real home run champion, Bonds or Judge? I mean, I think we could get thousands of people to phone in and text in. And so, really who are the candidates?
3: Tell me the candidates. Boys,
7: judge and, and Bonds.
1: Bonds was filled with steroids. His head swelled up twice yeah. the size. <laughs> yeah,
7: I know, but the, a lot of the media says Bonds is the champion. Right. And I think we should uh, give our listeners a chance to rebut that.
1: Well, I think 77 yeah, I think WABC should lead the crusade here. Have that poll. Do <laughs> we include yeah. Babe Ruth? Well, he's, they passed
11: sorry, Babe Ruth. Yeah, he's one behind. He's, yeah. one
0: behind. he's
7: yeah. one behind. McGuire. I'm, I'm talking about the guys who are the two possibilities. Right. Judge. The two with the most and, numbers, uh, you and know. The, and I think that... Uh, I think or, that
11: or you, that you know, hey, hey Dick, how about we set up two people. categories? How about we set up two categories? The record, yeah. if you don't use drugs... And the record if you use Rudy, I
7: agree with that. But the news media is gonna say who is the home run king? And they, you know, right. if they continue to say bonds, I'm gonna get naughty. And me, I me think too.
11: That, me too. And you know and you I know why should,
7: I think we should do a poll that and if we have a poll of New Yorkers listening to A B C and we get thousands of people to call in and write in and phone in and text in uh, and we can say that uh, 5,000 said it should be judged and only 1,000 said it should be bond. I think New York sports writers are going to listen
11: to that.
1: Dick, you're always thinking of the PR. Yeah. You're right. Yeah.
11: No, I think you're right. You know, we should we should put out pictures, except for Maguire, who was a big guy. We should put out pictures of Sosa and yeah. Bonds before the drugs, and then after. They're like twice well, But I'm the saying that our
7: polls, we shouldn't try to influence the poll, per se. We should just Camp simply campaign? ask the
11: question. When no. did you ever take? When did you ever take a poll when you didn't get paid by a campaign?
7: <laughs> no, I—I don't I, I get paid <laughs> by Trump ever. But yeah, but but <laughs> I think that I think that we ought to uh, do that because I think we can really produce a body of opinion that people are going to respect in the New York area. This is a New York issue as a New York station, uh we can really take the lead on this. Good thought.
1: Also, let me put in here, I am a Mets fan. Pete Alonzo is going to lead the major oh, leagues in RBIs. And uh, right now, Jeff McNeil is leading the major leagues in batting. So you have Aaron Judge, I have McNeil, and Alonzo. Typical but, Mets fan. But hats off to Aaron Judge. Oh, there's George coming Typical in. Typical Mets no, fan. Has I to, have to bring to, up Alonzo.
11: Uh, oh, <laughs> I, I happen to like B- uh, Buck Showalter a great deal. Yep. I, got, I became you're very you're friendly here. with him when he was manager of the Yankees. And after every game, John, he used to give Andrew the, the, the card and sign it for him.
8: Wow.
11: When when he left, when he left, George Steinbrenner came over for dinner the night that he fired Showalter. And I had a hard time getting Andrew out of his bedroom to come and say hello to George Steinbrenner. <laughs> it was so, And he loved George. He was so mad at him. You know, All right, we got, <clears throat> we got 2 minutes to hard uh, break.
3: We got 2 minutes give us the hot news. Whatever the hot news is for okay, today. Okay,
7: politics, politics. Go ahead. There's a Gallup poll out that just that came out today that said that for the first time, maybe ever, but certainly in recent history, the Republican Party has a higher favorability rate than the Democratic wow. Party wow. by 44 to 39. Wow. Uh, which is pretty incredible.
11: That's a big number, Dick. Wow, for us. I yeah. mean, for Republicans, that's a big number.
7: It sure is. And the, uh, the and the previous and the polls usually show a seven to ten point Democratic yeah, wow. lead. This country. is a real slip.
1: If that number holds up, it'll be a real red wave. Because usually, if and we if we're just one or two points behind, we end up picking up seats.
7: Wow. And it's that's by great. Gallup. Yeah. it's by Gallup who does not do election people
3: are angry out there guys people are angry and they want they new, are angry they and want I new York really, York and i
11: am really surprised at my old friends here who aren't discussing the implications of north korea now being our ally oh my god that's right <laughs> yeah yeah you yeah. guys miss the news you miss everything you have that they happen was that,
1: was that a secret made days ago and you ignore it wow <laughs> I guess Kamala Harris, has, Kamala Harris has inside information that the rest of the world doesn't have.
7: You know, I was on the radio the other day, and you played a tape. One of you guys played a tape of Kamala cackling. And I said, would somebody cackling nah. tickling her? <laughs>
3: Uh-oh. I know, uh, the music is up. on. That right, means we're coming him. up to a break. Thank you, Dick Morris. <laughs> thank, thank you, the greatest mayor of New York ever had, Rudy Giuliani. Thank, thank you, guys. You guys are all terrific, you know. And, Thank you, Rudy. Thank well, you, well, We all work really. together. And uh, well, let's take that break. And when we come back, Vito Fasella is going to be on, the borough oh, president Vito. of uh, uh, of, uh, of Staten Island. And he's mad as hell. we got to put up with Vito. Oh, yeah. We're
8: doing it live. Hey, Bill O'Reilly here. And you are listening to Bernie and Sid.
0: God help you. On the Red Apple Podcast Network.
1: There
3: we go. Hey, this is the music for over seventy-year-olds. <laughs>
1: are, you, are you comfortable, Peter? Well, I was comfortable, but I thought if I'm going to co-host the show, I should have some say see- and who the guests are. <laughs> and I find out that Vito Seller is coming on. I had to put up with this guy in Congress. I go to, out to dinner with him, and everybody's asking for his autograph. Well, and well, I got to listen. And Vito, Vito's mad as hell. I'm mad at hell as Vito, but I I'll, I'll, I'll listened to him this one last time. Vito, how you doing?
17: <laughs> I'm doing well, Peter. Whenever I think the song Crazy, you're the first person that enters my mind.
3: <laughs> well, we got Vito for the borough president of uh, Staten Island. Is Staten Island the safest borough of the five boroughs?
17: Yes, it is, and we want to keep it that way, and we want to make it even safer despite what's happening in Albany and, and other parts of the city. Uh, we have a community here that... Uh, when people around the city and the country yelled, defund the police, we said that was the stupidest idea we ever heard. Uh, we we here in Staten Island uh, support our police and law enforcement. We know that keeping our communities safe is the most important thing and the most important function of government. So we intend to keep Staten Island the safest big city in the United States.
2: And you have a lot of law enforcement live there, too. That helps. Yeah. <laughs>
17: No question, we're very blessed to have not only uh, active and retired police officers here, perhaps uh, more than any other county in the country. And you know, we, we appreciate and respect what they do. We know, in fact, just over the weekend, um, sadly, but in a in a significant way, we we honored uh, two police officers who were assassinated while sitting in their car several years ago. Yeah, two that. detectives that were doing a a, a you know, executing a warrant on a firearms, and they renamed the streets in the north shore of Staten Island after them. So here in Staten Island, we respect law enforcement. We like what they do, and we never forget when they pay the ultimate sacrifice. Also, Vito,
1: uh, in Staten Island, you had hundreds and hundreds of fatalities on 9-11. I mean, you were by far, uh, you know, the highest number, which is a... You know, no one's proud of the record, but you have to be proud of those men and women, those men who put their lives in the line like that. And it's really indicative of Staten Island. You know, you and I kid around a lot about but to me yeah. Staten Island is real America. That that is that is what America should
18: be.
17: Right. And and Peter, we we we're blessed with uh, blessed to have your friendship over these years and we represent similar communities and a core part of those communities are service. And one of the reasons why we lost so many, like your community did on nine eleven uh, was because of so many uh, active firemen, uh, law enforcement, port authority, police officers, and others who who rushed into a, a burning building to try to save others. In fact, uh, on that day, about 78 firemen of the 343 that were killed. And sadly, we still have a lot of 9/11-related illnesses that continue yeah. to uh, to take some of our innocent folks. So, yeah, we, we'll never forget uh, what happened on 9/11, and. In part, Staten Island is so great because of so many people who just believe in service and the service of others.
1: Vito, you had a career as a legislator, the city council, and you did a great job in Congress. How is it now being an executive rather than being one of many? You're the top guy. How is that?
17: I, I enjoy it. You know, I'm privileged that the people of Staten Island have given me this this choice and I mean, this opportunity to serve them. And it's flexible that we establish our. What we think is important and fortunately I have a very good working relationship with um, all elected officials and people inside and outside of government, Democrats, Republicans, our view is that we're here to improve the quality of life for the people of Staten Island, whether it's crime, whether it's traffic, whether it's any of these little things under the umbrella of quality of life. And we set our goals and our missions and we've said repeatedly, anybody who wants to do good to improve the quality of life for Staten Island, you have a friend and an ally. Anybody who wants to diminish that quality of life, you'll have a committed opponent. So I enjoy it. So far, so good. And uh, once again, thanks to the people of Staten Island for giving me that, that opportunity. And the people
3: of Staten Island, the restaurants, the Italian restaurants in Staten Island, yeah. I'll, they're the greatest. Good
17: pizza. Yeah, we got to get you back, John, uh, sooner rather than later, and bring Peter and, and whoever's at Tony in the studio, and we'll have a nice, uh, we're very proud of our Italian resident, and we can even get some shepherd's pie for uh, Peter if, uh, you know, if he decides to come over.
1: Peter, you know, I, I try to put some class in your life. I took you to the Dubliner restaurant in, uh, <laughs> yeah. in, in uh, Washington, they, the best shepherd's pie. If you want to see a look on a guy's face, and he's disgusted, put Irish shepherd's pie in front of Vito Vazala, He you walk out the door.
17: Well, oh, Vito is half so, Irish. Yes, I know. Very proud of my Irish heritage. And if I had to choose between a nice Italian dish and shepherd's pie, I would push the shepherd's pie over to Peter, and <laughs> order my chicken parmesan. So I'm good with that.
3: I had chicken parmesan last night. I enjoyed
17: oh. it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So,
1: and Vito, so, uh, you get back to politics. How does it look for the governor's race in Staten Island? Where do you see it going?
17: Well, I, I, th- I think the o- overarching issue. People are just so disgusted with. Uh, What's happening uh, across the board now? I mean we're dealing with the situation that uh, That has to do with the as we know and we've been talking about it for 20 plus years when you uh, unleash millions of people across the southern border sooner or later every town becomes a border town and we're starting to see that now percolate across Staten Island and people are upset because Uh, We're dealing with a situation that nobody here created, and now they have to solve the problem that the federal government created. So that's number one. Number two, people are still afraid, uh, many, to go into Manhattan, across the city, ride the subway because of the crime and the randomness and the acts of violence. So that's number two. The economy, which I think is still the overarching number one issue, inflation. Uh, People are uncertain about the future. The stock market's been in the tank for the last several months. So you add up all those things, and those are the things that matter most. I think it bodes well for for Lee Zeldin on Staten Island. I can't speak to the rest of the city, but I think on Staten Island, purely through a political prism, I think those factors matter a lot here, and I think he will uh, do pretty well on Staten Island.
1: Vito, you're trying to get a read on what's happened to New York. I mean, you were on the city council. And now you see the city council today. Is there any connection between then and now? I know it was always controlled by Democrats, but at least then there's Democrats you can talk with and work with.
17: Like Peter I don't, I don't and think so. You know, I don't really deal that much with many. So, But from afar, you just see the... What, what matters in business or politics are results, right? And we've sort of said this over the last number of months, that this is sort of a reincarnation of New York in the early 90s. And and we proved... and. I, know, I think Tony's in the studio and I just heard Rudy. We proved that the city could be managed and governed and give the people back to taxpayers. And and was results in policies that were tough, were opposed vigorously. Uh, you know, the chance were people going to be dying in the streets if some of these things were enacted. Yet we saw a city flourish. And I don't see that same level of commitment and attitude coming out of the city right now, at least in the council. Uh to bring this city back to where it should be. So it's a, it's a shame, but we have to believe that the best days are ahead and do whatever we can to do so. And and as I go full circle for your opening remarks, we're, we're trying to do that on Staten Island. We're trying to stand up for the, what's right and to defend what we think is right. And if the other parts of the city want to go in a bad or different direction, there's very little we can do about that right now.
1: I tell you, Vito, Staten Island to me is a very unique community. I used to love going to political events there with you guys. You never know who's going to be on whose side, which year. But uh, everybody had a style, a personality, and it was really, really a great place. And uh, again, you've always stood out.
17: Well, thank you. We used to give you a scorecard in the beginning <laughs> to say, make sure you don't talk to that guy. Make sure, you and then at the very end, who knows? The alliances could differ and, and shift. But it is, you know, we have a half a million people on Staten Island. It's a very close knit community in life. They talk about the six degrees of separation. I think on Staten Island, it's about one and a half so that everybody knows somebody if you're from around here. And we're still that patriotic, you know, God-loving, faith-loving. Uh, we we love what the, <laughs> again, law enforcement, we want our communities to be safe. We love the military, keep the country safe. And those are the simple things that often get, I guess, in a woke culture or a, a place that's drifting to the, to the left or the elitist. Uh, we don't necessarily get too caught up in that, fortunately, uh, we stick to the basics, and I think that's what keeps Staten Island pretty darn good. And it continues to grow. You know, we still have people wanting to move here, uh, which is a very positive thing, and we have to do it in the in the right sort of way. In fact, just yesterday we had, of all people, Princess Anne visit uh, Staten Island to check out the Lighthouse Museum that I know is something that's close to John's heart. So we have a lot of good things to offer. Wait, a Vito,
1: you're going to tell me now you're uh, royalty? Is that what you're trying to say? You're part of the
3: royal family, or what? well, what
17: in a way, I, I, I had my crown uh, <laughs> when the princess well, arrived. Well, well,
3: Does, uh, <laughs> what's going on with that cruise ship, uh, Vito? Any updates on that?
17: There is no update <clears throat> other than the last conversation I had on Friday was, although the reports were it's, the city is close to a deal. Uh, that they really are not that close to a deal. And the cruise ship is, for those who may not know, they're talking about putting a cruise ship at the Navy home port in Staten Island to be a, whatever they want to call it, a center for migrants that are coming up from the southern border. And what we've stated publicly is we just think it's it's a bad idea and once again, it's a federal issue that warrants a federal solution. The people well, of Staten Island who did not create it should not have to deal with it. I
3: agree. Uh, Vito, yesterday we had uh, Hispanic Heritage Day. Joe Ithia was in the, uh, uh, in the studio, and uh, Joe says that uh, they broke down uh, uh, the uh, tent city that they were going to put up.
17: Yeah, and that's, and, and that's part of these, this thing, John. You, you know, John, you're a fascinating guy because when you go into something, you have a vision, you you know how to execute the vision, and it becomes a success. In this case, I think the expression is the seat of the pants, right? This is an unsustainable situation where they're just throwing out ideas, spitballing ideas, and I don't think anybody's really thinking them through. So one day they're opening up a tent city in Orchard, Orchard Beach. The next day they're tearing it down and moving it to Randall's Island. One day, they're opening up an ocean cruise ship in Stapleton. The next day, they say, well, we're not really that close. They sh- just shipped, uh, secured 93 rooms at a hotel in the middle of a nice community in Staten Island, Travis. Uh, and they just shipped them over there. And it's just not, it's its on the surface not good. Don't know where it's going to end up. Uh, not to mention the price tag. Could it be anywhere from a half a billion to a billion bucks? Uh, that's, that's not chump change. And that's why we've continually petitioned the federal government to come here and help solve this problem that they created.
3: Well, Vito uh, Fasella, borough president of uh, Staten Island, thank you. You're doing a great job keeping Staten Island going the right direction. Uh, thank you so much for uh, doing that. And. Uh, God bless you and uh, God bless uh, New York and God bless America. Thank so we you. have
1: to now call him Mr. President and also the Mr. President. <coughs> and also the yeah, Princess. Uh,
17: yeah, the Princess uh, knighted me. I'm now Servito uh, for oh, of so South Vito. Beach, okay. of Staten Island. <laughs> well, one last thing, John. I, I know you all have been, and rightfully so, uh, applauding the efforts of Aaron Judge. And, you know, Staten Island has a lot of Yankee fans. and. Peter, when he comes, he's the honorary Mets fan. (laughs) Um, But we would love uh, to throw it out there and have Aaron Judge Day on Staten Island and maybe have him at your stadium and invite folks. So at some point in the future, I think it would be well-received. Maybe we
3: will have a home-run derby or something. I think that's a great idea. Uh, uh, Mr. Judge is always available. Always welcome to come to the Ferry Hawk Stadium in Staten Island. Hey, hey,
17: hey, Vito, Uh, can you have
1: a day for me in Staten Island as the All-American great guy?
17: Yeah, and we can have a, instead of a home run derby for you, we can have a dunking competition where you sit in the...
3: Vito, <laughs> yes, yes. Monday. Monday is Columbus Day. I hope you help WABC celebrate it.
17: John, any, anything you need from me and to support. You love this city and this country, and uh, and this country is great because none of the uh, Irish heritage... But, of course, the Italian-Americans who've helped make this country great. You, get, you, right, get, Peter? you
3: get double coupons. You get Irish and you get uh, <laughs> Italian.
17: <laughs> go I, I want to hear Peter King say how great this country is because of the contributions of Italian-Americans. Go it's, right ahead, Peter. It's
1: great because of Italian-Americans, except for one. Other than that, it's great.
17: <laughs> <laughs>
3: well, thank you so much. And I believe <laughs> okay. we're, we're getting a break right now. Let's go to that break. And God when bless. we come thank back, what do we have? Thank you. Thank you.
0: Bernard McGurk. Unacceptable is throwing your beer can on the subway track. <laughs> Sid Rosenberg. I don't believe it's a three-man race. Bernie and Sid in the morning. On the Red Apple Podcast Network.
3: We're back. It's Old Timer's Day at, uh, at WABC. Me and uh, Peter King, the King and I, and, uh, and uh, George Venizelos, You don't qualify for Old Timer's uh, Day yet. Uh, You're no, still a yet. young guy. George Vinezella the former head uh, yeah. of the FBI in New York, and I feel uh, it sometimes. <laughs> and Philadelphia, and Harrisburg, and he, Boston. His only character
1: defect is he's such a Yankee fan, and he hates the Mets so much. Uh, and uh, so, when the Mets win the World Series,
3: George, I'm going to uh, be
1: tough to take. I'm going to uh, be all of you.
2: If they win, I'll be happy for
1: you.
3: Peter. Now, okay. on the line, we have a, a, a patriotic American, we have a West Pointer, uh, and uh, former Assistant Secretary of the Air Force. Very, very much concerned about what's going on in the world. Uh, we have uh, a former assistant secretary of the Air Force, Ty McCoy. Ty, how are you this morning?
18: I'm fine, Cass. How are you? And the other gentlemen, George and Peter King.
3: And Peter King was uh, Homeland Security in charge of Homeland Security. Weren't you there for a while? I was actually uh, chairman
1: twice and ranking member for a number of years. Deal. But, but Ty, let me ask you, because you have such a varied record, an expert record, <laughs> What concerns you the most right now as you look at uh, security, both foreign policy and domestic?
18: Well, I think that uh, the um, Russian, uh, you know, attack in Ukraine is uh, going bad, uh, which in some ways is good. But in some ways, because of the nature of their system, puts a lot of pressure on uh, the ego and the establishment of power by Putin. And so he's beginning to send signals uh, of moving trains around that may have uh, nuclear uh, nose cones in them, sending out his big uh, Belgograd submarine into the Arctic where it can't be easily seen, uh, beginning to kind of shake the tree a little bit that he may have to use some nuclear uh, weapons uh, in some ways. And uh, this uh, is very uh, dangerous because the uh, line of control, the communications between the uh, people at the top in Russia, Somewhat the same in many countries, all the way down to the firing officers can sometimes go bad. And when you have a a heightened uh, alert status, people with nuclear weapons, and all of a sudden the communications go dark. Uh, sometimes that can be interpreted and and lead to you know uh, conclusions to launch when in fact there was no need to launch. So that's the the problem with uh, you know putting these uh, forces into into a little bit of action and and heightening alert uh the uh, other thing that is most worrisome is that the uh countries that are uh, also in a state of tension around the world with with u.s policies such as the chinese the iranians and others uh may take uh, this uh opportunity with all the stress on the system against the u.s and europe to make moves of their own which could lead to conflicts in other parts of the world so it's uh Uh, you know, kind of a a crisis within a crisis, and uh, it could, uh, you know, go badly if we're not uh, uh, real careful.
1: Ty, out of this crisis, if maybe we could say the glass is half full to this extent, if China does see Russia being devastated as far as its invasion, could that dissuade them from moving on Taiwan when they see that the United States is willing to stand with an ally or is willing to stand against uh, Russian aggression and then... uh, 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 Chinese aggression if they did try to attack Taiwan? What do you think China might go ahead
18: anyway? I think it certainly sends a signal to them that the U.S. can do a lot more than than they thought we could do, even with uh, uh, divisions over here in our our homeland on political and national security issues. At the same time, they see that much of our equipment, ammunition, and other uh, matters have been shipped to support the Ukraine. So they might feel that we're a little bit We're stronger on will than they thought, but we may be a little bit shorter on equipment and uh, submarines and so forth. So I think that they will uh, continue to to get ready, continue to watch things uh, back to their west in the Ukraine and Russia. And uh, in many cases, it seems that uh, the uh, Chinese leader uh, has met with uh, Putin twice. And once after they met, uh, that is when Ukraine Invasion started, and the second time they met, uh, that is when the uh, further uh, stepped-up invasion and and waving around uh, some nuclear weapons happened. So it almost seems like China is using Russia as a a hammer uh, and and letting them get chewed up themselves in order to kind of make way for being in a stronger position themselves. So it's almost like uh, the the uh, Putin kind of maybe walked into a little bit of a trap, and and got you know support just enough support from the Chinese to launch his uh, his attack in in against the Ukraine. But then the Chinese are really uh, not supporting him that, to the degree that he thought.
1: You know, going from one bad actor to another, Russia to China. How about Iran? Where do you see that standing?
18: Well, the Iranians continue to uh, have uh, you know tremendous problems uh, with their economy because of the sanctions that were levied on them because of the not going along with the, the joint uh, program on controlling their nuclear weapons. And then they are heavy handed approach towards uh, the women and, and the younger people in the country. So between the economy and the and the human rights violations and the technology, which the younger people can use to get around uh, the regime And the hard line oppressors in the regime uh, There's there very Much uh, in the way of Demonstrations and uh, Economic hardship On the Iranians and of course That leads to a situation uh, Again somewhat Like Putin where the regime has to take A hard line and maybe take some risks uh, With respect to uh, Adversaries such as Israel uh, In order to show that That they are strong so uh, both both the countries, uh, really all three of the countries, Russia, China, and, and Iran, are facing internal uh, uh, dissent, economic problems, uh, questions of credibility, questions of stability. And uh, this tends to uh, be coming from, from three uh, adversaries who are somewhat linked together, along with North Korea. Uh, we have four um, leaders that are known to be uh, very... Uh, uh, you know, dangerous in many ways.
3: Uh, Ty, one question: Russia needs one hundred dollar oil. We talked about it last week. I talked about it on Fox last week, and uh, and uh, OPEC is threatening to cut production to create one hundred dollar oil again because it was down to seventy six. But the reason, or at at one hundred dollar oil, Russia makes a billion dollars a day. Now they're using that money. To buy this this Wagner Group uh, force that they're using instead of their army, you know much about that?
18: Yeah, this uh, Wagner Group force is sort of the, you know one of these things that have come afoot in the last few years, particularly in Russia, uh, as as a counterbalance. They call them PMCs, private military contractors, and uh, the Wagner Group uh, stems from Putin, I think, wanting to build up another armed group that could go and undertake certain missions including you know helping uh, dictators take over their countries exploit oil and gold and and things like that in Africa as a way to pay them and at the same time uh, they would be a force that's outside the normal military chain of command that could help counterbalance any any moves by his own military uh, against himself so uh, they know that the Wagner Group stands and falls. With How Putin,
3: big is the Wagner so Group, do you know?
18: Uh, I've heard it can be as many, and, and they're spread through several countries in Africa and also up in, in uh, Ukraine, uh, I think a little bit less so now. Uh, probably it could be 15,000, 20,000, uh, 25,000. It's not a, it's, and,
3: not a and, e- e- it's former prisoners, and it's a personal hit squad.
18: Yeah, it's uh, a lot of uh, former prisoners. Uh, you know, Spetsnaz and uh, special forces uh, veterans that that want to you know make five times as much as they did when they were. What do
3: those know, guys special get Force? paid? Was it uh, mercenaries?
18: Yeah, they, they're they're, they're high paid mercenaries, and uh, they can uh, you know get paid uh, in some cases. They're they're like. Uh, the iranian revolutionary guard after a while these these private military groups start to try to form their own companies and start to engage in commerce and gold mining Uh, and so they not only want to uh, they become become like privateers uh, that are uh, sometimes authorized in war by we did that in our revolutionary war we authorized uh, gave letters of mark to uh, certain private uh, owners of ships that they could go out and on behalf of the u.s act as our navy and capture uh, uh british ships and capture and and keep the uh keep the loot so this has wow. uh had a long history of bringing in private uh, uh private people so to speak private organizations into a military
3: a personal uh, hit squad yeah
18: yeah i think he's he's got a – it's a big one he's probably got some others uh that are that are smaller special departments and special
3: you pay those uh, guys a thousand a day
18: uh, well, probably, uh, maybe sometimes even more. Uh, but the, right. uh, you let them have you let them have things that they can grab, like gold and oil and, and setting up companies, but also some of the money he is earning from oil, as you say, is is being used to Ty. fund those those groups and the war effort. Ty McCoy,
3: former Assistant Secretary of the Air Force, thank you so much. Uh, uh, we're out of time, and we got to take a break. And, and thank you for everything you've done for our country and continue to speak out for our country.
0: Bernard McGurk. Bernard has been a friend of mine for so long. And Sid, you too. Sid Rosenberg. Not good, great. Bernie and Sid in the morning. I love you guys.
11: I listen to you every morning. and walk around the house laughing my butt off.
0: On the Red Apple Podcast Network. The this
2: song comes back good memories. It's a good song.
3: Well, it is beautiful music. I love this music. And uh, who do who do we have coming in now? I believe we have Mario Kanamu calling in from Zurich uh, with some reports on the financial communities and what's going on in Europe. and And uh, Mario Kanamu are you are you there?
10: I certainly am. Good morning, everybody. Good morning.
3: Uh, Tell us what the heck is going on in Europe. I mean, uh, is the euro still falling?
10: (laughs) Yes, it is. Um, They are still scrambling and trying to decide on uh, what agreement can be reached between the European Union members regarding a cap on the price of natural gas. Germany has come up with a proposal, but um, many of the members of the European Union Uh, want to see much more action with respect to to limiting what the price uh, the European Union is prepared to pay for gas. At the moment right now, as things stand, Europe pays on average four to five times what uh, Asia does for natural gas. Uh, That's interesting because what it's doing is it's moving shipments, which were destined for that part of the world, meaning Asia, to come to Europe because obviously people can make more money on them.
3: And and, uh, I read a story this morning of some breaking news stories about uh, the Germans are turning on more Uh, nuclear uh, 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 reactors than they had before. uh,
10: You're referring to Germany? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So, uh, yes, uh, uh, the German finance minister came out and made some statements with respect to the existing facilities and opening other ones, which Um, The reality is he's from a center-right party, which is very pro-business, and he's taking the view and the stance that he has to do everything he can to keep the people happy and to keep industry alive. He's going to run into some problems uh, if he has a long-term view with respect to this, because the Greens, uh, who are part of the coalition and who actually have the foreign minister, for example, as a member of the Green Party, they're very much against using nuclear energy uh, they understand that they have to use it for a certain amount of time now while the crisis is ongoing, but they will uh, not be prepared, in my opinion, to continue this on an indefinite basis.
3: And it's a breaking news on Bloomberg.com right now. OPIC. Uh, hello? Yeah, oh, breaking news on Bloomberg.com that OPEC and its panel recommends a 2 million barrel a day cut. That will yeah, devastate Europe, wouldn't it?
10: Well, it's going to, it's not only going to devastate Europe, it's going to put pressure on the whole system around the world. Um, and it's going to just create uh, more pain for consumers to pump, irrespective of the country, uh, because all these things are traded on global exchanges. And therefore, if there's a shortage in one part of the world, it actually does have an impact on another part of the world. I would like to touch on a couple of other things. Um, in the Ukraine, they've actually started handing out uh, potassium iodine uh, tablets, pills. Those are taken by people in order to uh, be able to absorb, uh, not absorb, sorry, to make sure that radiation doesn't actually affect people. Um, and there's a couple of other interesting stories, one which is from an outlet that's uh, against the uh, Kremlin which is actually has said that uh, President Putin is actually preparing to move himself and his family into a nuclear-proof bunker. I find that interesting, and if in fact it's true, um, to me it actually says something in reverse. Everybody is uh, worried about whether or not President Putin is going to use nuclear weapons. My personal opinion is I suspect he will, and he will use them uh, in the part of the Ukraine that he now considers his own. But putting that to the side, the fact that he's actually going to be moving into a bunker, if in fact it's true, means that he has accepted himself that the U.S. response is going to be very, very harsh. So he has accepted the fact that the U.S. has told him if you do that, there's really not going to be any place for you to hide. So I think that it's interesting that he's now decided he should probably move into a nuclear-proof uh, Bunker. If in fact the story
18: is true, well,
3: you know, uh, look, uh, half the stories coming out of Ukraine and the other half coming out of uh, out of uh, Russia, they're not true. So I think you got to take one day at a time and don't panic on any particular uh, news unless it's verified.
10: No, um, the only thing uh, the only thing people are panicking about in Europe right now is the fact that energy prices are out of control. And they will be so for the foreseeable future, meaning running at least until the end of 2023 and realistically even beyond that. And that's going to have a tremendous impact on the lives of people in Europe, on the European economy, uh, and um, on their quality of life.
3: Yep, you're very true. Uh, Anything else uh, coming out of Europe that uh, you want to uh, tell people?
10: Uh, Just the uh, constant aggression that's coming out of Turkey that's continuing against Greece. It has to stop. America is trying to take Greece's side and saying that Greece's sovereignty with respect to its islands and its borders uh, is is not to be discussed. Uh, The Turks continue to engage in activity which is very, very uh, confrontational. And the reality is, I've said it before and I'll say it again, NATO is only as strong as its weakest link. And right now, with Turkey behaving the way it is, it doesn't actually bode well for NATO as an organization.
3: Well, Mario Kunalmuth, thank you for giving us that report out of uh, Zurich, out of Europe, uh, and uh, God bless you, and uh, stay safe, and uh, we'll catch up again soon.
10: Thank you. You as well. Take care.
3: Take care. And now we, we have a friend of
1: uh, Congressman King's. Well, actually a friend of all New Yorkers, uh, Charles Palmentari to me, personifies the American dream. Uh, his, his starting with Bronx Tale and continuing on. He's just a great person person who loves his country, loves the police. In fact, he flies the NYPD flag at his home. And so I'm proud to call him a friend, and I think he's a friend of all New Yorkers, Charles Chair, Chaz, you with us?
19: Yes, I am. How are you guys?
3: Hi, John. How I am well. You? And uh, and tell us what exciting things are happening.
19: Oh, well, a lot of, first of all, a lot of great things are happening. My uh, You know, my one-man show, I just did a big show at the town hall. In New York City on 43rd Street, and it was sold out, and it was an incredible show, and I'm really very excited about it. I'm going up to Springfield, and uh, at the MGM Casino on Friday, and then I'll be at the uh, Emerson Theater in Boston on Saturday. You uh, know, so great things are happening. My TV show, Godfather of Harlem, my other TV show that I did, Gravesend. So good things are happening, and uh, I'm excited about uh, my restaurant, 30 West 46th Street, and Peter's been there many times, and I think you've been there, and uh, it's a great, great restaurant. And well, we best- came there
3: uh, many a times, and uh, last year I think you hosted us for Columbus Day. Columbus Day?
19: That's right. Say the words, John. Columbus Day. This that's, Columbus that's Day is this is.
3: Monday, and uh, we're going to make sure that they don't take down the statue of Columbus, and we're going to make
19: sure they don't take down the statue of Caesar's at Caesar's Palace. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That, John, that's never going to happen. They're never taking down the Columbus Day, Columbus Circle. They're never taking it. They're never taking that down. If you do that, if you go that far... Then you better change the name of uh, Washington, D.C., Columbus, you know. You better change Columbia. Then you better change the university, uh, you know, Columbia University. Then you better change everything that Columbus is ever named after. It's ridiculous. And Columbus Ch- Day is our day. That's it.
1: Jazz, i got to give you credit for that. I mean, uh, you've led the fight on Columbus Day. You led the fight before that on Mother Cabrini. But the country is just going in the wrong direction. Also, you mentioned your restaurant in White Plains. I've not been to that. But John McLaughlin, who is President Reagan's pollster, he and I are going to be coming up in the next few weeks. So I'll let you know we're going to be there. But your restaurant on 46th Street is phenomenal. It's really yes, it's a class well, by thank itself. Thank you so
19: much. Both of them. Both, you know, you, you put your name on it, and you know how Italians are. If the food ain't great, they'll tell you. Don't worry about it. (laughs) So I had to make sure the food is always fresh, fresh pasta, fresh fish. It has to be great. Otherwise, uh, no good. No good. But I'm excited about Columbus Day coming up, and it's a great day. And thank you, John, and thank you, Peter, for supporting all the Italian-Americans. It's our day. We've been celebrating it for 100-something years, never, ever a riot, never an incident, we celebrate, it, uh, we celebrate it with pride. It's our day, and I, I appreciate you guys really standing behind us. And, Chaz, that. I'm saying this as, as,
1: as an Irish guy, but to me, the Italians, for instance, the worst lynching in the history of the United States was carried out against Italian-Americans, and you never hear that. Nobody hears, well, talks about it.
19: Exactly. In New Orleans, that was the biggest mass lynching in American history. Eleven Italian Americans were lynching in New Orleans. That is the reason why the president at the time said, look, we better do something to calm everything down. They gave us this day. That is the reason why we have Columbus Day, because of that incident. The president said at that time, you know, well, I know what they did, but it might have been a good thing. You believe this? This was the president at that time, so we did it. I mean, he gave us the Italian Day, and that is our day now. You want to take that day away from us? No, no, that's not going to happen. It's not anybody thinks it's going to happen. It's not going to happen. I mean, I did the narration for the Columbus the Columbus film. I know all about Christopher Columbus. You know everything about him. People don't realize when he first went there and discovered America, which I say. And then he left. What happened? was, And I don't want to get into it, but there was a tribe called the Carib, Carib tribe who attacked his. Who attacked him? They attacked back, and then went back and forth. And that's where some atrocities happened. But Columbus had nothing to do with that. But people don't realize that. If they study their history, they'll understand it. And please, guys, this was 500 years. Before the age of reason, colonialism was happening all over the world at the time. You know, it's our day. Indigenous people, they should have their own day. God bless them. They should have their own day. But Columbus Day is our day. And they will never, ever take that statue away. Ever, ever, ever. I will be there. I will be there. They will have to take me away in handcuffs before I allow that <laughs> to happen.
1: Chaz, I, I, okay? I, I can see you doing that. Also, though, uh, to me, it's a whole effort to tear down institutions, to tear down heroes, whether it's George Washington, even Abraham right. Lincoln, and, you know, Columbus. It's all symbolic of people who want to... Tear Down America from Being What It Was and What It Stands For. And listen, you, uh, you're a classic case of a guy who came out of a rough neighborhood, made it to the top. John Katsvertis was talking before. He grew up in Harlem. Uh, his, his father didn't speak good English. John was an immigrant. Uh, my family was Irish-American. I mean, we can go through the whole thing. Uh, right. with all the diff- and everybody is able to overcome it. And this country allows you to do that. And you don't hear that from any of these progressives.
19: No, you don't hear it. You don't hear it from the progressives because... You know, I always say, look, you know, you come from a rough neighborhood, and I I always say, give people a hand up, not a hand out. You know what I mean? And that's really the most important. Should Look, should we help everyone? I believe in that. But you can't take away from the people who have it and give to the people who don't have it in a way where, look, you know me. I give to charities. I do whatever I can. But if, if somebody is, is successful, let's make everybody successful. Let's give them a hand up, not a handout. I always say that. You teach somebody to fish, they'll, they'll fish forever. You give them fish once, they're going to starve. And you, That's the most important thing. And we do have to help our brothers and sisters. And I believe in that. Uh, Chad, I, I, truly I remember... can truly believe in it.
1: Go ahead, I, I, Peter. Yeah, No, I remember going to see you play Bronx Tale, and you had a lot of hardcore Italians in the audience, a lot of hardcore Irish and many African-Americans all many together. Many African-Americans. I,
19: yeah. I have a huge following in the African-American community, a huge following. I mean, because I speak about, I, I've been speaking about civil rights for years. I, they wanted to take the love story out of Bromstale. I remember in 1989, they wanted to take the love story out. I said, absolutely not. And for the and listeners, the love
1: story was a uh, white guy who apparently was you falling right. in love with an African-American girl at a time that's when exactly. race relations yes. were not great.
19: Right. I mean, I mean exactly, in 1968. And I just, people go, that would never happen. I said, well, you're, you're talking to Collegio, folks. I'm the guy. I'm Collegio. <laughs> so don't tell me it never happened because it did happen. And, uh, and that's why I, I continue to do the show I continue to champion. I continue to cha- champion African American rights because it's only right. We do have to help each other. It's very, very important. If people ever want to come and see my show, they all have to do is go to chazpamitery dot net, and my schedule is there for the whole year. I'm finishing up this year with my national tour, or oh, they can go to my Instagram and they can find out where I am. I mean, it's people say that the play is better than the movie and the musical, so. I hear that all the time.
1: Chaz. before I went for the first time, I did not see, I could not imagine how a one-man right. show would be believable. When I went to your show within five minutes, I thought you were 20 different characters. It's amazing how you're able to make that transition um, from language, accent, uh, it's just phenomenal how you do it. It really is. I don't well, know how you... That's,
19: yeah, that's what made me a star, Peter. Uh, uh, Robert De Niro saw me do that show. The world saw me do that show. I got offered 250000 500000 million to walk away. And I refused. I said, no. I play Sonny, and I write the screenplay. Bob De Niro came to see it. I met it. He was in my dressing room when I finished the show. He said, look, this thing is phenomenal. It's a great show. He goes, if you end up selling it, they're going to come to me anyway. I remember saying that. He goes, I know you don't want to sell it. He goes, I'll direct it. As he said, I'll play your father. You play Sonny. You'll be great. And you write it because it's your life and it'll be honest. And I really owe everything to Bob De Niro because he really gave me my shot, and he kept the the script that I wrote the way it was, and he made it happen. So, you know, I always give Bob a shout-out for that, always. You know, you
1: came from a great neighborhood. At the time, maybe it didn't seem that way, but I remember like... I went to your show once. I was backstage with you and Dion DiMucci. I mean, there it was, two guys from basically the same same corner almost, and how how you you broke your way out of that and really went on to great things. But you kept the values you learned on on those street corners.
19: I learned on the street corners. I'm still the same guy that I was when I grew up in the Bronx. Uh, You know, I've traveled all over the world. I did 70 movies. But you know what? Always keep your roots, just like you did, Peter, just like John did. He kept his roots. No matter how much money you got, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You know what they say at the end of the game: the king and the pawn go in the box. So it doesn't matter. You know, <laughs> we're, 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 we're all the same here. You know, the main thing is be kind. I always tell people be kind. Just, if you have a chance, yes, John.
3: Thank you. We're out of time. We're down to okay. our last forty seconds. Um, God bless. Is New York going to come back? New York will be back. New, you can't keep New York down. You watch. We'll come back. All we'll right. Face. George Venizelos, is New York going to come back? Absolutely. Peter King. Absolutely. <clears throat> so long as we have people like Chaz Palminteri. See you soon, Chaz. Thank well, you. God, God bless. God bless. Thank we enjoyed doing the, the special show, The King and I. And, uh, the <laughs> that, King and I and George.
2: That worked That's out great that, to you two guys.
1: George was the icing on the cake. No, no.
3: Well, thank you for listening, and uh, God bless uh, New York. And we need to bring, don't forget to vote this year, and uh, we got to bring New York back. God bless America. Thank you.
0: On the Red Apple Podcast Network.
8: AuthorityGoldGuide.com.